This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Mark Ross and John Burgess. Um, well, my first message uh, today is going to be to the podcast listeners listening to this later on. Uh, make sure you tune in live. That's that's the message. And uh, if you are, if you want to listen on a mobile phone, you can do that as well. You can uh, listen via any smartphone using your 3G or Wi-Fi connection. Simply go to wholeradio.net and click play. Or, using a media player, enter radio.homesdale.net into your streaming media tab. That's your streaming media tab. If you need any assistance setting this up, email radio at homesdale.net. Um, well, look, we've, uh, we're currently at home on the BBS. Um, our, our page on Homesdale is still working, but homesdale.net was, uh, was hacked for some reason. I'm not completely sure what happened there, but it wasn't, well, it wasn't great. Um, what I'd, uh, sorry. I, I think I'd better start by talking to the guys because they're, uh, they're being a pain by messaging me in the background. Firstly, I'm going to go to you, John. Hi, John. How are you? Alright, how's it going? Uh, uh, not too bad at all. Now, you didn't go to the game, but you went to the beanback, didn't you? I did. I was one of the 1,600. That's a huge attendance. How, how did that all go, mate? I've got to say, actually, it was pretty good. I mean, I think the day before, they had sold about 350 tickets. We were a little bit nervous about the amount, because they needed to sell 1,000. But it was a fantastic attendance, and it was it was a very bizarre occasion, actually. It's sort of... Uh, you know, it's uh, just all of us sitting in one end with a completely dark stadium watching, mm. uh, well, the most ironically named Jumbotron in the opposite end. <laughs> did, uh, did the Jumbotron survive the, the entire night? Or? Well, it did. It was, it was quite amusing, actually. When, it, when the game first started, uh, Terry and his communications team had clearly tried to put up uh, the score and the time and a, and a palace crest on the screen. But so large were the crests on the screen that it actually blocked out the entire goal. That's <laughs> what <laughs> oh, I do. And it, it was literally half the screen was devoted to it. So uh, I was uh, forced to tweet Terry and he kindly removed it pretty quickly. Oh, fantastic. Were the uh, t- TVs in the bars any good? Uh, yeah, they were better, to be honest. Um, they just better quality of of picture, but there was nothing like sitting out in the stands and there was a lot of chanting. It was like being at, at a game, but not actually being there. It was a, it was a strange one, but it was a fantastic yeah. night out, and hopefully uh, the club would consider doing it again if the if the need ar- arose. That's great. Um, yeah, okay. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the atmosphere there later on. And uh, Pax, you were with me in Brighton. 
Um, that was an experience, wasn't it? This, I just wanted to talk about that police escort. Um, have you ever been in a police escort like that before? Only once when I was at QPR, but nothing like that one yesterday. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Just a little, little bit sort of, well, I don't know, it was kind of weird. It was the way that they line the streets. It was kind of like being, you know, when you, you see people running a marathon and you've got like the support, the people like lined in the streets. It was kind of like that, but some were throwing bottles and some of them were filming us. It was a bit... <laughs> Yeah, the Chinese fun. did love a bit of uh, filming. <laughs> they did. There was a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of Chinese tourists. Yeah, that was that was a strange one. Didn't didn't get hit by any bottles, though, did you? No, no, no. They wouldn't dare. No, no, I guess not. Did they try and sell you DVD afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> they did, but oh. I the mick out of them, so they couldn't. It's, yeah, it's nothing like a little bit of uh, casual racism. Well done, John. Um, <laughs> okay, and uh, moving swiftly on to Mark. Uh, Mark, I was supposed to be up with you, but I didn't. Um, but you did actually get there as well. And, uh, well, how was your journey? Encounter any Brighton on the way? No, I didn't actually. Uh it was uh, interesting, really, because uh, I didn't actually have a specific plan because, as as we all know, no one was sort of committing to where they wanted to drink because they didn't want X, Y, Z pub shut down. And um, so I just made my way to East Croydon Station. I was on my way there. And I got a text from another whole member, Alan Eagle, who's having a drink in the porter and sorter. So he said, join me there. So I did. And then he said that he was getting a lift down there with uh, his friend Steve, another whole member. And uh, he offered me a lift. So went down, went down to uh, Bright Marina, sat out, had a few selected beers and um, uh, enjoyed the view just as the sort of sun was going down. And while you lot uh, all yeah. sang your hearts out, completely, <laughs> the complete reverse, actually, of what everybody else was doing. Saved, saved my voice for the match. <laughs> but uh, it was great. It was, uh, and then we just uh, left the marina, got a cab to the ground, cab back to the marina afterwards, and and that. But I mean, it was totally unplanned. But it it was uh, a good, uh, it was a good experience. I enjoyed yeah. it. Oh, I thanks. hope you walked you home afterwards, Mark. A big pardon. <laughs> I hope you walked you home afterwards. Yeah, hand in hand, what? hand in hand. Did you invite him in for a coffee? Mate, that would be telling. Now, come on, guys! I think the uh, I think the occasion's got you. Oh, well, look, say, yeah, yeah. Pre- appreciate the lift. Thanks to Steve and Alan for the lift down there and back. Cheers, guys. All right. Well, yeah. Now you guys have got a chance to speak. I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to go back and give people the contact details so they can contact us today. Uh, if you want to tweet us, it's twitter.com forward slash whole radio and include at whole radio with your message. You can send us a message on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash whole radio. Hopefully, if Mikey remembers to check it, uh, you can give us a ring at any point during this uh, the next hour or so. We'll be talking all about Brighton. I'm sure plenty of you have got your own experiences and memories of the day. Uh, if you feel brave enough, just give us a call: oh two oh eight one two three one six four six. Calls are charged at your local rate and come out of your bundle, or you can just send us an email: it's radio at homesdale dot net. And uh, what the hell's happened there? I think we've got a caller already. Who's that? Good evening, Pete. How are you? I'm not too bad, you right, mate? I recognise that voice. I'm I good. I thought you were on YouTube, Chris. Yeah. Was I, looking, a second. was I looking attractive again? You're looking very hard. Yeah, well, you, you look like he'd been dieting, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so jealous of you lot last night. So yeah. jealous. You know, That's... I mean, I was supposed to do loads and loads of marking last night, but couldn't get it done. Um, sat down, marked a book, Brighton scored fingernail time of right second half we always win if I have a bath and listen to the commentary in the bath and um, 
<laughs> the bathroom was flooded by the end of the night. <laughs> 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 I had to get the mop and bucket out. Just <laughs> Waking the kids up, jumping up and Too down, slipping over in the bath because I was jumping up and down, nearly mm. knacked me knee. But um, <laughs> I mean, are you, out the, are, you, are you out for the next game? Are you? <laughs> I'll, I'll be there for the West West Ham game. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. But yeah, it, it sounds like an incredible night, and it's it's one of those nights. I think those that didn't go will will rue for years to come. Yeah. I think I mean I I called it uh, an like one of those iconic Palace moments earlier, and I, I can't think of another way of, of putting that. It is it's the sort of game that in it will still be singing about in ten years' time, I think, and, and, and maybe. Uh, certainly you know the the Brighton songs got adapted by the end of the end of the game, you know, to incorporate yeah. three one. It's just it's just one of those. You just didn't see it coming, really. Um, I mean, there's so much to talk about on this, but I mean, for, from your perspective, you, you know, not being there, it's. I mean, you, I, can, I can't really imagine how I would have coped uh, just with what happened. With I mean, we don't, we just don't score that many goals in the last few minutes to win games. It's usually against us. So, well, I mean, apart ha- from against Coventry, of course. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it seems to be a new thing this season. So, it's, I suppose it's impossible to contain yourself, you know, and actually behave like a rational human being or teacher, as you're supposed to be. Yeah. How 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 was the performance in charge? Was it was it really that different? Because you know it sounded pretty abject in, for the first 20 minutes. So I don't know whether yeah. that was because Clive Walker used to play for Brighton, so he's quite biased. But No, it's, it's totally fair, Nick. It really is. Um, like I don't know, obviously, uh, uh, the guys might feel a bit different, but I thought we started in, in, in a similar vein to the way we finished against... Uh, well, they were played against Doncaster, really. Um, yeah. I, I think I think that the the occasion looked a little bit little bit like we were going to be overawed and and you know they they sort of obviously broke and then scored um and, but but the way we responded once we got into the game and it, it took about i mean i think pax pax is saying in, in the chat here about half an hour i think he's right it's about it, I, I mean people were saying 15 20 minutes for me it was half an hour and that going with the fans as well we you know we were very loud on the way to the ground we were very loud in the back but people were just you quite clearly too nervous to, to really express themselves very early yeah. on apart, apart from a few pockets and I think it was the same for the team but yeah. um, well Pax do you, want, do you want to jump in there mate you, uh, I mean after that first 30 minutes do you want to let Nick out how we went after that really yeah I can do mate um, you're right Nick mate sorry I didn't say hello, hello. <laughs> yeah not too bad um, no I was just going to say that after the first 30 minutes I thought you know they will kept getting the ball moving and there was loads of switching of the play and I kept saying to everyone like there's always going to be a goal coming yeah. and it just took its time but second half they came out a different team That's good. Do you think, do you think it helped um, having Ambrose on the bench do you think he had something to prove when he came on Yeah, was that, but was that a masterstroke I just thought it was his day to you know to shine and he always seems to step up when it's a big game doesn't he so yeah I, I mean think, I Looking back, I couldn't have thought of three. If we were going to score three, I couldn't have thought of three better people to score the goals for us to kind of embody Palace from a couple of seasons ago. Palace looking exciting now, and Palace looking to the future, kind of almost three generations of players in the same team. Do you know what I mean? That, That's good, mate. That, that show show that we're we're moving forward, and we, and we've got that that experience and that kind of youth, youthful exuberance that you know he's he's. Zahar is is being a bit more tethered now in in his attitude to passing and whatever, but you know he gets the willies out of defences, doesn't he? 
and um, yeah, it's, with the uh, house down online being down, sadly, I mean, I don't know whether you're going to discuss the the, the the reasons behind that or whatever, but um, I've, I've spent mm. my lunch hour today looking at the Brighton forums, and they, there's a few bits of people on there, but most of them on the, on the NSC have kind of held their hands up and said, actually, Palace were good, deserve to win, and, you know, we've, we've, the only complaints yeah. we've got is about the way the, the Brighton played. That's right, Nick. I mean, I think there's there's very little else that they could do, to be honest. So there's nothing yeah. else they could do but that. Um, they uh, they just got, they just you know, it was such an obvious. Um, well, it was a battering, effectively. I know it's three one. Three one's quite a, a comprehensive result, and the goal, but the goals were late. But they they had not, they couldn't argue with with the fact that we deserved that game. Well, I know I know. Pack said it to a couple. Of people. I said it as well. At one when it was one nil, and we were sort of sixty five minutes on the clock. We're saying I really don't think that I, I would be upset if it ends one nil. I still think I would say to any Brighton fan gloating, we were better than you, we outsung you, we outplayed you, yeah. and that's all it is. And that and that's what um, and and well, and we ended up we ended up very much proving that that was the case. And I, it's gracious of the of the few that have come across to say that on on the boards. Yeah. And like I say, but the, if you see on the NSC, they're also laying into their team as well. So. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, One you final question, I, if I can, before I go, because I really have got to go and mark these books. Um, the new stadium, the Brighton Stadium, I've seen the shiny new pictures of it. It looks quite good, but, but reading some of the, the, the Palace fans, sort of what they think of it on the BBS, it's, it's not actually that good once you get there. Are there any pointers in that ground that you could say to CPFC 2010 when they're looking at the design of our stadium that, oh, they should do that bit because that bit works, but for goodness sake, don't have one of those in your new stadium. Any, anything you can say about the ground that was good or bad or you know, might be useful for design of our new stadium? Good, I was going to let you answer it, Mark, but you don't seem to want to. Um, no, I, I, I thought... I thought um, uh, oh, you stopped, sorry. Um, no, I thought actually what um, was good were the acoustics in the ground. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a strange setup. It was very high-sided, as we as we were standing to our left, really yeah. high, like three tiers high, and there was a little section which was just like the family stand at the opposite us at the back, and then like concrete walls either side dividing the two uh, stands either side, mm. and then just um, one sort of tier to the right of us. Yeah. Like the west and east stands, is that right, lads? Was it the west? And yes, east the w- the west stands, yeah. the big stand. Look, that looks really so, impressive. I don't. It was it was kind of. You, I, obviously, they've they've done it sort of for a capacity of like twenty odd thousand, as as we know. And I think yeah. the idea is, if they're going to expand or build on the ground, they've got plenty of room to do so. So I suppose in that respect, that's quite good because you know what it's like when uh, you can't fill a stadium or even yeah. half a stadium. And uh, I mean, obviously, they were all there. It was their cup final, our cup final. But you know, yeah. um, it, it was it was an unusual layout. But I must say, I thought the facilities were quite good. I thought like there was plenty of space there. It was comfortable ground. Didn't experience it, but they had cushioned seats. But you know, yeah, and, no uh, idea. They were and uh, there was lots of space between the between the seats. And um, stewarding wasn't too bad. And uh, um, I just yeah. And as I say, the acoustics were good. I mean, the singing was. Uh, was very loud. I don't know if that's the design. I presume it's something to do with the design. It's not my field, but uh, really, yeah, that's the way <laughs> I look at it. Okay, any, mate. Any of you guys uh, got any other? Well, I'll just I'll, I'll just round that subject off and sort of say that 
if, if we're going to look to what we would do in a new stadium, I think one of the things to avoid is it's the amount of concrete on show. It just it was already lopsided, but you can understand the reason for it. And I tell you that West Stand, I have to, I have to say, looked looked very impressive. That three tiers stand, um, yeah. but the rest the rest of it looked like they tagged a non league ground on the end. So I, I you know I kind of as Mark says, there's reasons for understandable reasons for it, um, but. As as a new hundred and ten million pound stadium, you you know you'd want to go, you'd take it back. In my opinion, um, it looks I very nice from the outside as well. Yeah, Chris, do you know, have you, Nick, have you been to um, St James's Park? St James's Park, what Exeter's ground? <laughs> no, not quite. It was it was a bit it was a bit Exeter's ground at, in yeah. the North Stand. Yeah, the North Stand was a bit Exeter. Yeah, no, I've the North I've ever been is Liverpool. Yeah, the East Stand was. I don't know if you've. Well, as an away fan, I don't know if any of the guys have been. I think they probably have to to uh, Newcastle. It's really, really high up, isn't it, for the away fans, and a long way from the pitch. And it did seem like that in the East Stand. The very top looked really, really like a long way. I mean, I don't know. I've been to the gods in the New Camp. Oh yeah. yeah, that was it's that probably, was miles yeah. away. You needed binoculars just to see the front of the stand. I couldn't <laughs> believe. I couldn't believe how high that was actually. But, uh, yeah, you know, my well, brother got fur to go at St James's Park. Yeah, and, well, you know, I think right. Jesus, no, <laughs> sorry, I I forgot I was on a microphone. Right, okay. Um, thanks very much, Nick. We're going to let you go now. All um, right, I'll speak to you on Sunday. Have a yeah, uh, yeah. enjoy the rest of the show. And um, I, it's still it's still sinking in that we got such a fantastic result after. Yeah. You know, we all thought the worst, didn't we? Just like I'm we sorry. all thought we were going to thrash Doncaster. But mm. announced knew we were going to lose because they hadn't won in so many. We all secretly, I think most of us secretly thought that actually we're in for a bit of a tonking here because the way Brian mm. are playing away, the way we're playing away. It's, so that was that was the most pleasant surprise of it all. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. But take care of your all show. over. Yeah, cheers, it is, man. isn't it? It is roller coaster. Take care, yeah. boys. Cheers, buddy. Speak soon. Yep. Bye. Okay, just a reminder. Later on, we've uh, to preview the West Ham game. We uh, as an exclusive interview recorded at David Gold's Caterham. 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 What's happening? Caterham match. Um, he was kind enough to give us well over two hours there. Uh, we've chopped about fifty-three minutes there of highlights. The full thing will be available, uh, both video and audio. I can't believe we videoed it, but we did. Get to see my wonderful face. Um, yeah. <clears throat> But that will be coming up later on as as part of, to help the um yeah to sort of help preview the West Ham game. He does talk quite a lot about Simon Jordan. Talks about Steve Bruce. Talks about looking at buying Palace. It's it's a well worth a listen. It was a it was a great experience. We're extremely grateful to David Gold for giving us that time as well. But back on with the the Brighton stuff. Uh, we've got a fair few emails from you guys. We'll um we'll probably pick those up after we've had a a bit of a chat. Uh, as our own, for our own opinions on how the game went, um, but uh, yeah, do keep them coming in. And if you've got any more calls, o two o eight one two three one six four six. So we'll do a couple of emails in a bit, and just as as yeah. Okay, well, first first thing I want to talk about is the lineup, chaps. If you don't mind, um, pretty much the four two three one formation that I was screaming out for whilst ranting. Um, Last uh, sorry on Monday about Doncaster, uh, the four-two-three-one formation was put put in place with Murray at the top. We had Williams, Zahar, and Scannell in behind, right in Jednak anchoring the midfield. Um, with then we started with Ramage, Paddy, Tunchev, and, and Moxie at the back as we have done for a while, and obviously Jules and Goal. Uh, Pax, your 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 early thoughts on the um, on that lineup? 
Yeah, I do actually, mate. And I think um, we were talking about it on Doncaster coming home. And what I don't think works is Wright and Jen that together. I think they're too similar. Mm. Um, and I just didn't... I don't like it. I think they're too, you know, sent to defensive midfielders. And I just don't think it works. I think they're, they always seem like they're behind the game. Um, not so much right. I thought right played really well at Brighton. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, but Jed and Act still looked a bit. Um, what's the word? Just he just looked behind the game, and I think he's got to take his time to settle in. Um, yeah. But we had to start Williams, and he did, and it proved that he, you know, he's not scared to run at people, and that's mm. what you need people breaking through the midfield. Um, yeah. But the basket was solid, I think. Yeah, I'd say Williams certainly added a totally different dimension, and yeah, solid at the back is probably fair. But obviously, uh, uh, Mark, you wanted to wanted to jump in there. Off you go. Yeah, I kind of agree with Matt in the sense that it doesn't work, in my opinion, um, right with Yedinak. I know that there are injuries at the moment at the club in midfield, and we are a bit restricted without Garvin, KG, and so forth. But it it doesn't it doesn't seem to work, and because they are so defensive minded, it's almost like we're playing with six defenders. And yeah. uh, and and there's this great gap between the midfield and the strikers, or the striker and and the wide men, you know. And it's um, it just doesn't work. And it was proved. I mean, as soon as Wright was substituted, we scored, you know. And I kind of think that the you know when they brought Parr on as well, yeah. instead of Ramage, that freed Scannell to go forward more. Parr took up. We could have kind of sort of played more three at the back. And Parr was like pressing on, and that gave Scannell the chance to move forward. And I think that you know we really attacked, and I think it was a an absolutely superb decision by yeah. by Doogie to bring well, Parr on when he did. Yeah, I was going to talk about the substitutions later, but it's probably an ideal point. Um, obviously, Ramage had had a bit of a tough time uh, with with the wingers at various moments, um, and and picked up a booking. So it was obviously that was in the thinking of taking him off, but. But Dougie also said post-match that it was all about getting a bit of a uh, bit of an attacking impetus. And when you say we had three at the back, we very much it was almost towards the end. And this, I was so proud of this as well from, from a fan's point of view, from seeing how much that that you know our, our manager wants us to win that game. You had had Tunchev as almost a single sort of sweeper, and you had you had sort of Paddy and Moxie either side of him, sort of even in slightly more advanced positions. Then you kind of had Parr as a wing back, and you had Scannell had dropped back and was supported by Amber. It was absolutely just all attacking, and it's it's just it was a master was, stoke. It was a master stoke that, that substitution because that immediately Parr pushing forward released uh, Scannell from because Scannell, you know, he he wasn't effective particularly until Parr came on. You know, I mean, uh, you know, his work rate's good, but he just he wasn't he wasn't um as effective mm. as he has been. But but Parr being a more forward and attacking player, he got stuck in straight away and that yeah. gave uh that as as you said, that was it almost was like we were playing three at the back and were flooding mm. the midfield and then giving uh Murray, Scannell and Zaha um plenty of space, time and room to move. Yeah. Uh Pax. Yeah, yeah. I agree, actually. I think the difference between last year and this year is they're not backing away from teams anymore. They're actually getting numbers forward. And I think mm. that's just the way you should play against teams. Just attack them. Don't go for draws. Don't go for anything like that. Like we were last year. We were so negative. Mm. And this year, they all just want to go forward. You know, par coming up from right back. That's what we want. Yeah. 
Well, we've actually got Klein, Klein to come back in there, which is such a big plus. Uh, and then, obviously, Parker be released on the left-hand side of midfield. It, the implications are huge, but you're absolutely right, Pat. It was what, I mean, it's what was so disappointing about Doncaster uh, on, on Saturday was was I felt that, that the approach we showed once once we went a goal down um, and, you know, and once we settled, the, the approach we showed at, at Brighton was it's exactly what we should should have shown at Doncaster because we would have, we would have battered them. We've got we've got too much going on. When Zahar's in the form that he's in right now, he no one can put a tackle in on the guy. Even when they do, he comes away with the ball still. It's absolutely stunning. He, that goal he scored was just it's better every time I see it. It's you it's know a good it's, kung fu kick on him, wasn't there in the first uh, half? He was bread cut. Um, bread cut. That oh, was, how, how he stayed on the pitch, I've no idea. But you know, Derso was just absolutely abysmal. I have to say, I think I'll add that into the into the show. <laughs> The yeah, look up the, ref, the referee yeah. was uh, definitely beginning with W, but I yeah, don't know what was, that could possibly he, be. I think he was aware. John, you wanted to express something there. <laughs> oh yeah, I think if you looked up the word abysmal in the dictionary, it's got Andy Derso's face next to it. You just I mean, know what you're getting. He's just been awful for what, 13 years or something now, hasn't he? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Hell only knows Try what he's be awful at something the... and get paid for it. Yeah. Mm. I know. Mark, I have every confidence you could be awful at a number of things and get paid for it. I don't want you to sell yourself short. Um, <laughs> you don't pay me for doing this, so I'm probably pretty no, awful this. <laughs> hey, none of us get paid. <laughs> um, John, I want, I want to, John, I want to talk to you. Obviously, you had, you had the, in a way, it's, an, it's more of an advantage. You would have seen more of the game as well, actually, watch it on TV, because <laughs> you weren't being crushed com- repeatedly. Um, and you know, elbowed in the face and all sorts of other stuff that happened while we were celebrating. But Glenn Murray, I mean, I, I had, at the game, he spent, obviously, he spent the first half, uh, sorry, the, set, the first half coming towards us, and that's when we were our weakest. So when he had it was at his best, he was probably far, the furthest away, you know, player on the pitch. So what did you what did you think of Glenn? Well, Glenn is what Glenn is. I mean, I think he, he naturally plays better as uh, with someone up alongside him. But in all honesty, the, the first half we were sort of we were backing off them so much, and we didn't get the support there quick enough, really, for Glenn Murray. If you're going to play him up front by himself, you need to get the support to him very quickly, mm. and that, that's just not what we achieved in the first half. And that was the difference between the first half and the second half was that we weren't giving them five yards of space, so we weren't having to retreat so far back into our own half each time. So the the support was already there, and that made that made all the difference. I think I think Dougie got his halftime team talk. He must have been spot on, because yeah. um, the, the way we came out of second half, really the, the the way we played led to the changes that he made. And you know we the the door that the, they were creaking at the back there, old Brighton. They really were, and you know for all the second half we were absolutely dominating them. And I think Dougie knew that it just needed that little bit more pressure. And the the one area they were attacking as well was with um, was attacking Ramage down the down the down the right back, and um, which we knew they would with Noon because he's super quick and Ramage isn't. Uh, you know, it's not his yeah. part of his game to be quick. And uh, putting Par on meant that we could counter that pace because Par's not he's not slow. And, um, you know, but he would also put a bit more pressure going forward. And that pressure told in the last 10 minutes. Uh, but it was the way that the team started the second half, which allowed that to happen. I think yeah. if the head, heads had dropped a bit, we'd carried on the same way as the first half. I think we might have seen different tactics from Dougie. 
Okay, mate. Yeah, well, I'd like yeah. to uh, just stick my oar in just for a bit there. Yeah, I, I, bet I you agree, agree with you. Uh, um, <coughs> but what what I think uh, was interesting about uh, about the two managers was obviously Doogie is sort of uh, of being groomed to be you know the be- next best thing, and since you know probably one of the best managers we could possibly get at the club. Gus Poy has been there a little while. And uh, I think Doogie outthought him completely. And I think Poirier made a massive mistake when he took off uh, Craig Noon because, to me, he was by far their most dangerous player. He was mm. very direct. He attacked mm, our definitely. fullbacks. And he took him off after 60-odd minutes. And I just thought, thank God for that. And everyone ar- around, all the Palace fans around us were going, why, you know, why are they taking him off? Like He's their best player. And, they, you know, and, and it just seemed like that Poirier got it all wrong and Friedman got it all right. And I think every game that goes on, Friedman learns a bit more and he's proving to be, you know, a, a more than adequate manager. And all the people that were slating him after Donny on HOL should, like, you know, go yeah, and hide look, in a cupboard, mate. Wait, I mean, but, you know, it's, it's like one... You don't... You can't break a man on one game and, uh, and you know, it's just... It was outrageous, the amount of uh, stick he got. But uh, that's yeah. just my opinion, anyway. On that, you're, you're right. And there, there was a similar thread on the BBS as well. It was, it was, you know, it's so people get so upset with a defeat. But what we want to point out that if you go, you know, listen to the last week's show and, and hear my my rant about Doncaster, you know, I, I was the same thing. I wasn't, I wasn't saying get rid of a manager or anything stupid as that. But I mean, I really laid into a couple of people, and that's just just how it goes. But you're right; it's a bit of perspective, isn't it? Uh, John, you wanted to say something quick before I go to emails. Yeah. It was more opposing, opposing a quick question, really. I mean, do you think that Dougie felt it was a big game for him? I mean, we'd lost, what, three in the league on the spin. And given that Burley was was fired straight after mm. the Mill game, I don't think he had being sacked in his thoughts at all. Mm. But he knew that the team played with no passion on that day. And that's got to have counted for quite a lot because that was such a disappointing day for the club to go down, was it? 3-0, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Last Christmas. And, you know, that he knew that, you know, that, that was the thing probably that disappointed the, the fans the most about the season. Was was probably that was one of the biggest results that we lost, and well, that we had to really put a team out there, and he had to really get them fired up and playing with a bit of passion. Yeah, well, I, th- I think there's a couple of things. Dougie's very very calm when he's interviewed and what have you, but I think if you look at his reaction at the end of the game, there's a there's a lovely picture on Getty Images of him giving Will Saha a big smacker on the lips. Yeah. You know, I think someone on the BBS said "When in Rome," which is a very good comment. But um, you know, it's I think that shows you. He's he is a fan. Although he talks about Palace fans, Dougie is a Palace fan as well. And as much as it's not going to make him do his job um, any differently, nine times out of ten, there's games like this where it is going to make and have an effect on him. And he's going to be more about getting making sure each and every one of those players knows exactly what it means. And it's. But I think I think Dougie knows Palace Brighton what it means to Palace fans more than any other player on that pitch does just yeah. by virtue of the fact that he's played in a few of them so you know I think he was able to transfer the the passion and how important it was to the players you know yeah definitely Mark okay let's, let's get to a couple of your emails because they're coming in thick and fast and thank you for that also if you do want to uh, talk to us it's 0208 123 1646 um, 
Uh, I'm going to go with the the first email. Uh, we're going to do a couple before we uh, before we move on. Uh, Pax, if you can do email number two, which will be from Kieran. Uh, this email's from. It's where he's called Slovenia, Dave, but he lives in Macedonia. So I'm going to call him Mas- It's from Macedonia, Dave. It says, evening, chaps. Good to see most of you at the Wigan game the other week. Fantastic result yesterday. For the game, I'd have bitten your hand off for a point and saving dignity, which uh, for a point and saving dignity, which shows just how much I know. Youngsters are really starting to show what they can do, and to watch Scannell, Williams, and Zahar last night almost brought back memories of the team of the late 70s in terms of the excitement and positive attitude, and still inclined to come back into the team. Um, it's a shame, of course, we couldn't share the experience in the chat room last night. With us, with uh, obviously home sale online being down, which should be fixed soon. No panicking. Uh, he says, "What a disappointment!" But I probably alarmed a few of my neighbours when the goals went in. Um, that's my revenge for all the last week when Macedonia got into the semi-finals of Euro Basket 2011. So aware of that, but um, good stuff. Uh, he says, "Anyway, keep up the good work. Oh, very kind." Uh, expect to be listening in this evening while experimenting with some new curry recipes for the weekend. Lamb, achar, chicken, dansak and prawn. All without a jar of patex. Well, good luck with that, Dave. Hope you don't destroy the kitchen in any way, shape or form. Uh, and thanks to hear from you. And obviously, yeah, he says roll on Saturday as well. So looking forward to that West Ham game. Cheers, Dave. Uh, over to you, Pax. All right, mate. We've got one from uh, Kieran from the North Stand chat, isn't it? Is that right, Chris? Damn. Uh, yes, it is. Yep. Sorry, yeah, we've, got a, cool. we've got a caller. Who's that? Um, it's a serial thriller. Oh, hello, buddy. How are you doing? Um, well, mixed feelings, really. I mean, a great, great win yesterday, obviously. Slightly disheartened at the fact that now that the homestead's down, I don't have anything to do all day. <laughs> are, you not, <laughs> are you not allowed on the BBS? Well, I've just set up an account, but I mean, I'm struggling to bring myself to really contribute to that god-awful site. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Oh, I quite like I quite like the BBS. I, I got to admit, I, I do flirt flirt with both of them. And um, the BBS has its has its has its pro points. As, as That's a, such a tart, John, aren't you? He is, yeah. No, they've I been really yeah, nice. Forum hussy. <laughs> I've been really nice. That's why you are the you are the whole whore. <laughs> the whole whore. <laughs> you guys, uh, been, they've been very nice to accommodate all of you wonderful whole people. I mean, obviously, I've been on the BBS for years. I'm you know blah 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 blah. blah. Anyway, what do you want to say, mate? <laughs> um. I, I just sort of really want to say, firstly, um, I apologise um, to everyone in the chat room who would usually be in there. Not as it, not that it's my fault, because nothing's ever my fault. But <laughs> I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel right. I can't actually get onto the to listen to you lot, which is a bit of a bummer. But um, oh, sorry, no, I volumes working, but I can't hear anything. So, um, yeah. but no, it, it just feels a bit strange with Homestead Radio on and no chat room. But, well, you know, there, there you go. And it's also my birthday, so a big shout out to me. Oh, happy birthday, mate. Happy how birthday. old are you really? Tell me how old you really are. 11. Yeah, that's about right. That's perfect, because you do look about 11. <laughs> I've heard claim that you're in your 30s. Is this actually true? Am I, am I in my 30s? Are Sorry? you in your 30s? Yeah. No. No, you're I'm not. I'm 11 years old. Good. Okay, that'll do me. Fine. <laughs> well, it's a good uh, belated um, birthday present, wasn't it? To get your, that first, your bedtime then. Well, you know, I've been let, I've been allowed to stay up nice and late so I can listen to your be- your your wonderful radio station. <laughs> um, You're not actually listening to. <laughs> well, you know, that's a that's a small inconvenience. Um, but no, I mean, if we, I guess I should talk about something palace related. So yeah, uh, go for it. La- last night, which was a great. Great win that will live 
for very long in the memory. Were you there? I mean, sorry to go all serious on you, but it was a bloody <laughs> good win. It was I mean, <laughs> right, I was right at the front, and it was kind of one of those times when you were hugging and kissing and doing all sorts of dirty things with strangers. <laughs> there you were. Um, where, which, which block were you in at the front? Uh, I think I was in E. Oh, so okay. I was just, 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 behind, yeah, just behind somebody who kept on moaning that nobody was singing. And then also, just next to a kid who was about 12 years old, and also a man who kept on calling a lot of Crystal Palace players a word beginning with C and ending in... Uh, yeah, yeah. That happens a lot of most games, I think. Um, yeah. Were they, were they decidedly bit... happier by the end? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, by the end, the whole place was rocking, which is quite a nice experience at that new kind of Lego stadium. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it called the Wonky Warehouse. I kind of like that one. So, um, yeah. Like, yeah, that was good. Uh, who was your man of the match? Just get a, uh, yeah. I thought... I've got to say, I thought Zaha absolutely raped them, which I don't know if they particularly enjoyed. I think they probably <laughs> did. Um, oh, uh, no, Zaha was... Of words. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. and, uh, Zaha was great. Uh, I wasn't too keen on Jed and Akam right in midfield, but, you know, they grew a bit into the game, and I thought Scannell was a bit anonymous, but I thought also, I thought um, a quiet contender was Tunchev. I thought he had a great game yesterday. Mm. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um, yeah, I mean, well, you weren't listening to us earlier, but we we talked about Jed Nakam right already, and yeah, com- completely agree, mate. Um, okay, well, that's fantastic. Well, we'll let you uh, we'll let you go and celebrate your birthday. I'll also try and get Mikey to email one of your many email addresses. Uh, oh yeah, I'm um, sorry about sorry about my African cousin who keeps on <laughs> yeah, emailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries, he's he's all right, really. Um, We'll try and email you a link so you can listen in. I don't know if Mikey can do that, but I'm going to say he can definitely do that. Um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, See you, Chris. Right. Yeah, take it easy, buddy. All the other people there. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, them guys. Yeah. See you, See mate. you soon. Bye. See you. Bye. Okay, uh, Pax, you were just about to read an email. Right, so we've got one from Kieran from the North Stand chat. Um, he's had to say... Hi, chaps. Just to say well done last night. You deserved your victory and were the better team for 70 minutes. My fears about our defence were well-founded. Poirier falling out with one of them before the match did not help. Glenn showed why we were so upset. Uh, He left. Perhaps the chairman should have um, reached uh, to his wage demands after all. I believe the issue was that we only offered him a two-year deal. And I'm sure you'll have a decent season, as I suspect will we. I had said on the interview that results were better than performances, and it was only time that we got a bit on the bum. Gutted that... I'm sorry, got bit on the bum. Gutted <laughs> that we... <laughs> 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 Gutted that it was against you, of course. Yeah. I, hope you got, I hope you all got home safely. I understand that the sexually and socially inadequates were going toe-to-toe with each other. Already at throwing missiles, and you're smashing up the facilities at the Tampex. See you in a few months. All the best, Kieran. North Stand chats. Van. Contact. Oh yeah, well yeah, that was yeah, that's Kieran who, who was on helping us preview the game. He's a really nice guy to speak to, actually. You know, lovely uh, guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and well, it's just very again very gracious of him to uh, to take the defeat so well. It's interesting him saying that uh, that Poet uh, sort of fell out with one of the players in the defence. Before the match, I uh, don't don't know who that was, but 
well, obviously that won't have won't have helped things, but that's what you get for having a you know a, he, a manager. Like Chris, that. sorry, go on. Yep. Poye um, quoted on Sky Sports. Uh, I wasn't happy with his attitude, but that's all I can do. What else can I do but that? Okay, I'm pretty sure that isn't a quote off of Sky Sports. <laughs> Fairly certain that that isn't. Thanks, thanks for your efforts there. Um, thanks. Oh God, I hate you so much. Um, right, all right. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the the, the sort of substitutions. Really, um, I want well, I want to talk specifically about Darren Ambrose. Really, him um, for from a bit of flack of late. Um, probably much from everyone. Everyone would agree. Sort of. You know, off form, uh, and then just bundled in a little goal like that. And Mark, you, he also got involved in the in the the Murray goal. Him and Scannell worked brilliantly on the left hand side, and and Darren Ambrose was the one who flicked a lovely little ball outside of the foot into Murray before he smashed it in the corner. Uh, do you think like maybe just bundling that goal in is going to be a bit catalyst for him? Well, yeah, he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he, at the moment this season? Anyway, to say the least, it's um. I thought it was going to kickstart when he scored in the League Cup. Was it Wigan, I think? Or I can't yeah, remember. yeah, it was Wigan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was going to kickstart. And then he had a disappointing game the following Saturday, I think, home to Middlesbrough. And um, uh, it was good to see him, first of all, score. But he got, he got you know, because the way Doogie rearranged the team, he took right off, brought Ambrose on. And Ambrose was almost... Because we had this sort of conversation last time about Ambrose yeah. playing just behind Murray, and he he was very far forward, and I think that's where he should be. I mean, people are saying he should be out on the wing and all this sort of thing. Well, personally speaking, if you're going to accommodate him, I think you've got to accommodate him more centrally. And he was there, and I think basically he came on. He was fresh. They were tired. They'd had three games in six days. I mean, we've had five games in fourteen days, but. They looked like they were running out of steam towards the end, and I think they did, and, and a fresh pair of legs, and he looked up for it, and I'm delighted for him that he scored, and I hope that he kicks mm. on. That's a good point, actually, Mark. I think f- fitness seemed to play a part as well. I know, we obviously, when we made changes, if you look at uh, the substitutions Brighton made, I'm pretty sure all three were in sort of within about five to ten minutes of each other, all between sort of 60 and 70 minutes. Just yeah, three were, yeah. three quick substitutions. Um, and uh, they, John, uh, John... I was going to get John your your opinion on that from a uh, from the sort of perspective of watching TV might be a bit easier. Um, did well, do you think we looked a fit aside? I, th- I think we did look a fit aside. I think we had a, quite a lot of young players out there though, really, didn't we? If you look at the sort of yeah. the you know the three who were sitting who were sort of playing behind Murray, you know they they're all young and they all should be fit at this stage of the season. I mean, yeah. obviously, Parr is sort of, well, he's in prime mid-season form, isn't he? Having come from, was it Norwegian League or something? Yeah. And, um, you know, and Moxie, well, he missed the first few games of the season, so again, he should be fit as well. So there, there shouldn't have been any issues over fitness, and there wasn't. I think I think Ambrose has been sort of, I, I, feel, I feel really sorry for him, to be honest, this season. He's He's never been allowed to sort of recover properly. Um, mm. over the last sort of 12 months and I think he goes into a game having to pace himself I think yeah. com- coming on like you know as a substitute yesterday he knew he could just go out there give it everything and you know not have to worry about oh if, I, if I'm knackered after 45 minutes or something or 60 minutes you know he, he could just go out there and just you know just absolutely blitz his energy levels and that, that showed and he, you know he was he did, he did really well when he came on Darren and you know he was that that extra 
I don't know, je ne sais quoi that we needed to really unlock their defence and, you know, to provide that little bit of extra forward pressure. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment, yeah. He's, I, I mean, we're getting this situation where, I mean, Mark's saying, you know, he thinks he should play central. I, I never agree with, with that because I don't think Darren, Darren Ambrose is a central player, uh, you know, in behind the defence, sorry, in behind the attacker or not. Um, and I and I think we've also seen that that is currently where John Williams is playing in in the formation that we've used here, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see Ambrose replace Williams in that position probably. I, I would like to see Ambrose coming in off off the left as he did when, under Warnock, but I don't think we should just accommodate Darren anymore. And I, I think it's going to be good for him that we don't have to do that. I, I really do. Do you not think though that um, you know Dougie's pretty set in his ways about how he's going to um, how he's going to treat Williams and Zaha in terms of their development this season? That if Williams wasn't playing, would there be a better player than Darren to sit in that position? No, no, probably not. No, I think it's, you're you're absolutely right. It'd be unfair to suggest that. Um, well, no, I mean I just think you know, right now I think Williams is the better pros- better pl- not even just prospect, better player in the first eleven. But Doogie said that he isn't going to overplay the youngsters, so I wouldn't be surprised if Williams is rested at the weekend. Oh, maybe, but I, I just think he's 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 just gone from in the space of sort of six weeks, he's gone from prospect to to just just a first team player in my view, and long may his progression continue at that rate. And obviously, we've got to be careful, and you don't want to burn him out, and you don't want to overplay him, and. You know, certainly him and, and Wilf are getting some serious kicks in games. We talked about it earlier with Bridcut nearly cutting Wilf in off. And it's, you know, it's one of those things you you don't really want to see that. And you and you want your guys to be protected. And unfortunately, the referees haven't been protecting them of late. Uh, that's, that's a whole other subject. Listen, let's just do a couple of emails and we'll come back to talking about Johnny Williams. I think it's probably a good idea. Um, okay, next up, John, can you read the next one on the list, if it, just after Kieran's? Yep, it's uh, from Lewisham Eagle, and it says, What an amazing night yesterday was. Probably one of the best matches, if experienced as a Palace fan. I think he meant I've experienced. Uh, oh, no, he did mean if. Uh, when you look at other great games, such as Hillsborough, that involved uh, a lot of relief, but last night was just about sheer euphoria. In the first 20 minutes or so, it looked like it could be uh, a massacre, and I was hoping they would at least score. Uh, less than five, so so uh, so we would have put that one. Uh, that one, I've lost my place completely. No, so we would have that one, but well, I don't know what that means. But after that, it was all Palace. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> we completely we completely dominated the game with Williams and Wilf particularly shredding them to pieces. But it seemed like the goal wouldn't come. Uh, then a great solo effort from Wilf put us on level terms, with it seeming to take an absolute age for the ball to roll into the bottom left-hand corner. At this point, I was delighted with uh, with the draw after what after we had scored. Uh, later, but then Ambrose's goal came, and again it all seemed to happen in slow motion before he prodded it over the line. Then Murray just completely put the icing on the cake with a great finish after some fantastic team build-up play. The players did us completely proud, and hats off to Dougie for getting them so so up for the game and getting a win, which meant so much to us Palace fans who were absolutely outstanding last night, teaching. Uh, the hymn sheet singing Brighton fans <laughs> uh, how to make an atmosphere yeah, uh, what, whatever happens from now on uh, in 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 their new stadium will they will never forget who were the first team to grab all three points at their shiny new ground and that Glenn Murray scored now to be fair to Lucian Meagle he said it was a long thoughts and he, and he 
I mean, he's got very excited with his keyboard skills there, and he's added many words where they weren't required. So well done for actually getting through that, John. That was tough. That is, um, it's partly that, and partly that the text on my screen is absolutely tiny, and I haven't got my glasses on. Yeah, even worse. But it's, okay. well, there's, there's plenty in there. Um, sorry, Mark, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> nothing. I was just going to say that, um, uh, that I think Lewis Trigg was quite right, and I mean, that is not funny. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, there's been an incident, technical incident, involving our producer enlarging some text on our screen, which is which has absolutely just destroyed everything we're trying to do. Well done, right. producer. Yeah. It's destroyed yeah. my Internet Explorer. Is what it's done. I yeah. mean, I know I'm a bit of a muppet for using Internet Explorer, but now yep. it's just wanted to shut down. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, Anyway, what I was anyway, going to say was, yeah. anyway, let me press on while uh, Mikey fiddles with his buttons. <laughs> now he's scored out the whole writing. Right. Uh, all the, the, the bit I just wanted to take out of that quite long email from Lewis Amigo was, the players did us completely proud and hats off to Doogie for uh, getting them so up for the game and getting a win which meant so much to us Palace fans. Um, like I said earlier, I think Doogie would know better than anyone else that as fans, that is, you know, our biggest game probably since, uh, well, Hillsborough and then probably Stockport or something like that. And, um, you know, I don't think the the players would have had any idea how much it meant to the fans. Only Doogie, really, as he'd played in a few uh, of those fixtures. So I think he did he did get that across to the players. And, and yeah. you could see by their sort of reaction at the end of the match that... that how happy the fans were, and they were obviously delighted with the win. But what more, gonna, more, more, say more so than anything else, uh, more more than you would normally see, you know. Yeah, no, I was going to say you're absolutely right. He, he, I mean, you could see, uh, I think Wolf Zaha on Twitter, like very early on, was saying, "Oh, ma- you know, massive game coming up." As soon as Doncaster was done, he was talking about this massive game on the Tuesday. Um, and I mean that, you know, that's just just so encouraging, really. It's. Uh, just to know that that message has got across, and you saw when Wolf score, the first thing he did is run straight over to Dougie. You know, it's that sort of togetherness and that kind of clearly that you know they're they're out there for Dougie as and for them as well as for themselves and the rest of us. But but you know, it, it's a, that togetherness will take you so far in in football because in terms of ability, there's there's not a huge gulf between any of the teams. It's all about building momentum and building confidence. And when when you know that they've got that belief in the squad and they can come away from what was a disappointment. And, and if anyone's seen the the things on Palace Player, uh, the interviews with David Wright and Paddy McCarthy pre-Brighton, and when they're all talking about what a disappointing performance and result it was at Doncaster and how they got to right some wrongs, you know that attitude is just so. You know they mean it. It's not just a soundbite. They really mean it, and I think that that's come across. Uh, Mark, you've, I think you've yeah. got the next email. Have I? Yeah, um, it's um, from well on Hull. He's known as Barcelona Barcelona-based fan. His yeah, name's Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, he said, "Great support last night from Palace fans. Uh, you all made an old-school Palace fan very proud. Please say thanks to all those fans who jumped all over me when the third went in the back." Uh, third one in the back of the net, uh, or third one in, and my back is in agony today. Uh, got to be one of the best away days ever. I think I have to agree with you there. John Williams, what a player he was. Easily man of the match, in my opinion. My only gripe was the stupid idea to let the fans out together. Could have been a bit nasty down the station. Yeah. Warm regards to all those at whole radio. That's a complete 
another subject, isn't it? What um, about uh, the sort of policing and uh, yeah, yeah, segregation? Is, yeah. That's that's like a that, that we could talk Do about a show that on that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah, thanks for that, Kev. <clears throat> okay, I'm just going to st- uh, steam for a few emails. We've got we've got an absolute multitude, and thank you so much for those guys. Um, really, really appreciate guys and girls to be precise. Thank you. I always say guys. I do mean collect. <laughs> I do. I do say it collectively. It's. Uh, it, I don't mean men. Anyway, talking of saying guys, Aston uh, Freeman, one legend on whole and general drunk person, says hi guys. Uh, well, what can I say? I'm still well and truly shell shocked about last night, and I don't have a Scooby Doo as to what had happened. I thought we controlled the match after 20 minutes and completely ran the show. Good, quick passing, movement, skill, flair, and most of all, patience in a game that needed it, because we could have panics and left holes uh, and been taken to town. Brilliant first goal from Wilf sent us all into raptures, and one was climbing down the Amex like Spider-Man by the seats, kissing everything with a pulse before returning to hug Hambo. He did. And <laughs> the guys he came with. He said the second goal sent him into tears. He had no what to do with himself except run around the ground like a headless chicken, which meant I missed the third goal. I did as well. Uh, but then it just got mental. Lost for words, spot on tactics, great performance. Well done to Dougie for fielding Williams, who was immense, and hopefully silenced a few boy boo boys on hole uh, who wanted Friedman to plant flowers of the weekend, which is true. He says, where are you now? In capital letters. Um, for the game, uh, if anyone in Brighton... Uh, Anyone in Brighton football, I think I think I know what he means, or doesn't know about our rivalry, then they do now. Many close shaves with dogs because Brighton were looking for it, unlike the majority of us that just do it vocally. I'd say it did get pretty tasty outside the train station before the game, and seeing it all on the news tonight brought home how dangerous that volatile situation was and could have gone very, very wrong. Uh, I suppose well done to the police on that one. Um, I would say it was Brighton throwing glass and bottles and trying to antagonise us. Not saying we're innocent in it all, but a shame that a lot of the weed last night, and well done for proving us how plastic you are by disappearing quickly into the match which was extremely noticeable how quickly they disappeared um i you know and i know the the genuine true brighton fans were also embarrassed about that as well they can't tile them all with the same brush and certainly if we went 3-1 down to our bitter rivals in the last minute i dare say there'd be a few of us who went missing as well certainly not me um you know, because my train comes at a certain time. Anyway, it's another thing. Uh, there, was a lot a of bitching, there was a lot of bitching and moaning wasn't there on uh, on the brighton forum about yeah. their fans yeah, yeah. leaving at 1-1 but yeah, yeah we that's... called well I, I you know i know this didn't seem to get picked up i i was actually like singing you know we can see you sneaking out when it was still 1-0 uh, i don't know what was happening there was and not many but at 1-0 there were people going you know sort of you're talking 75 76 minutes something like that and I was just shaking my head looking at it. But yeah, then it just got more and more as we equalised. And then, you know, as each goal went in, it was just a, a mass exodus. So it's sad to see, but you, when, you're, when you're going from a 7,000 attendance to a 20,000 attendance, you know, the people you pick up are gonna, aren't really going to be true fans. And they certainly, as Aston was indicating there, they certainly had no idea what this, what this game was going to all be about. And... You know, it was a shame to see that violence. So, so I was caught up in that police escort, and and there was all sorts going on there. And yeah, it was it was eventually. Well, you could argue that it was well policed in the end, but um, I think if if people really wanted to have broken these lines, it could have done. It could have got very unpleasant. But we're all here. We're all happy, and uh, you know, and we beat them. <laughs> That's the main thing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read out Matt's email very quick. It says, All Palace fans have a sore throat today, as do Brighton fans, but for entirely different reasons. Like it, Matt. Uh, let's get through a couple more um, before we go back to talking about the game. Uh, Colin Haynes, uh, regular contributor, Colin Haynes, is, uh, he says, Hi to all. Uh, and Ross, I think he means uh, Palace Guard Ross for his wonderful work 
the uh, the other time. Uh, he says, and uh, yeah, and hope you're all smiling off the bright result. I drove to Lewis, an historic town, and went to a pub where there were about 50 to 100 Palace fans. Lovely day, a couple of beers, good hospitality from the landlady and staff. Police had a presence, but very chatty and efficient. We walked to Lewis Station, some singing started, and a large police presence escorted us to the station, which uh, I know a few people, certainly I think uh, presenter Ben, was uh, was caught up in that and very nearly missed the game, I think. Uh, I think he got it there in the end. I spoke to him very late last night when I was extremely tired. I can't exactly what he said, but, uh, but he at least got, he got into the game and he got home all right. Um, here we go. He said, uh, when Brighton scored early, early you'd have thought we had we'd scored by the fans' reaction immediately afterwards. Then at least the last 10 minutes were amazing. Very loud, everyone smiling. I think half the home fans had left by the final whistle. Bit tense on the train back to Lewis. Uh, most other Palace fans on the other platform going to Croydon. So I kept a low profile, but could stop not could not stop smiling. I don't know about you guys. That's, I've found that all day today. I mean, I actually woke up, and I'm not making up. I genuinely woke up, and the first thing I did was punch the air and go, yes, come on. Just absolutely amazing, and I just yeah, I haven't stopped smiling all day. Did you score last night? Uh, not in so many words. Oh. In, in my imagination. No, answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Um. Yeah, I don't even know what to say to you. you horrible, horrible thing. Uh, There's got a website. <laughs> I'll I'll give you the address for after the show. I'll bet you've got the address for that. Um, <coughs> anyway, uh, got an email from Kelly. He says, hi, guys. Good show. I'm sure you're aware, but the reports of toilets being destroyed at the, I'm going to call it Amex Stadium by Palace fans. I'd just like to apologise publicly. I had a chicken corner before the game. I curled one out. It looked like King Kong's finger, and I know no new Ben could handle that monster. Oh, for God's sake. I'm sorry, it says. So I, I hope you are sorry. Uh, CPFC Doe on Twitter <laughs> says, we have She's a, a keeper, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling that the person who sent that isn't called Kelly at all. That's all I'm saying on that. Uh, it says, we have a, a better balance... Uh, sorry, CPFC Doe on, from Twitter says, we have a better balance this season than last season. More solid at the back and we were brilliant going forward. It's a very, very good summary. And nice and concise Here's as one. well. Thanks for Here's that. That's a good one from Jake. Hi, guys. I went to the Brighton game with my dad as I'm only 14. It was the finest moment of my life. I think my dad is taking us to... Uh, Wales to celebrate because I heard him tell my mum on the phone he's going to bang her for a week or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a great nice one, okay. Jake. Nice one, Jake. <laughs> okay, we got we got one more email to get through before we spend the next sort of five minutes or so just just uh, putting the Brighton game to rest for the moment, and we'll move on and talk uh, for the West Ham preview. So uh, just bear with us on that one. Um, Guys, uh, it's from Graham Burt from um, Harlow. Graham's a, a fairly regular contributor as well. Um, thanks for emailing in. He says, last night was quite simply awesome. Well worth having to run the gauntlet of Brighton fans and not getting home till 1am. My first live game since Peterborough. Oh, what a contrast. <laughs> uh, team has been transformed since then. Well, I can see plenty of improvement. Delighted John Williams has finally given a start. Didn't disappoint and is destined for great things. And that's what we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, and hopefully with Palace. Uh, Zaha looks unpretent better than last season. We'll, we'll cover that. And Murray deserved his goal. Uh, I think this could be the opening of the floodgates for him. Wishful thinking? Question mark. I don't think so. Um, I think well, every game he plays, Murray is is getting chances. It's, he's gonna he's gonna score fifteen, I'd say, this season at least. Anyway, uh, Ambrose isn't the player. He still isn't the player he was two seasons ago. Before he'd scored, a chance to shoot for twenty yards and didn't pull the trigger. However, he looks fitter, and the goal can only give him more confidence. Uh, Saturday is another great test, but I think we'll be more than equal to. Uh, the misfortune to have a brother who is a diehard hammer, so I'm praying that the Palace half of the family retain the bragging rights. 
at least until the return game in February. Looking forward to tuning in on Sunday. Excellent stuff. It is the same time. Oh, he's he's a genius for reminding me. Yes, we are on on Sunday, and it will be the same time. It'll be 8 o'clock. The chat starts, 7.30. The music starts, uh, and we'll be doing Sundays for a month to see how that goes. Although today has been probably the most successful day in a while. Um, okay, guys. Well, that's that's all your emails. Thanks very much for that. Um, we'll uh, we'll just sort of round off by uh, I'm going to go back and talk to the guys about John Williams because he's probably the major talking point from from the game was certainly Dougie's brave bravery in starting John Williams um, and just his overall performance. Uh, and then and we'll finish it with uh, talking about Wilf Zaha as well, who was my man of the match. But uh, let's start with you, Max, if you're there. Um, John Williams. Well, how did you rate that performance? I did say Pax. How did Sorry, you rate John Williams? All right, no worries. How did you Lampard's rate? Lampard's just scored. Um, yeah, um, Williams is. I think oh, he's just fantastic, and how he's seventeen, he's just so strong. Mm. Um, he's not. He's not scared of anything. That's, he's just not scared. Of, I just think you know. How I good? don't know. I just think he's so skillful. How good can you see him being? I mean, we've seen we've seen a lot of decent players come through. Certainly in recent times at Palace, we've seen sort of Victor Moses and, and Ben Watson going to Wigan, and you know they're starting to have an effect there now. We you know we've seen all sorts of people rated, but Williams Williams's progress has been rapid. So how how far do you think this guy can go? I think he'll. See, this is hard as well because he's still so young. But yeah. if he carries on, I think he'll play one of the top four. He won't, you know, he's. Oh. Uh, mate, yeah. I'm speechless about him. I really am. Yeah. Okay. John, John, how did you see his performance? I called you John, John. How did you rate that performance from uh, from watching it TV? Why? Well, Chris, Chris. Um, I think I think he was very good. I think he was one of the the few players who really covered themselves in lots of glory in the first half. Um, you know, he he's just tireless worker, isn't he? And you know, his skill on the ball is like it's well to coin the phrase it's glued to his foot isn't it really yeah. but it's, it's, it's his work rate and the fact that he he and Wilf aren't afraid to put in go and try and put in a tackle and that's what I think some of our youngsters have been missing going like our forward thinking youngsters over the last few years I mean Victor was never a massive defender um, in open play and you know mm. Ambrose obviously isn't an academy player but he's not a great defender but Williams and Zaha aren't afraid of making that that journey back to help out their fullback, and um, you know that, uh, that's the biggest plus to their games, I think, because there's lots of players who can be very good going forward, but you know to to have an all-round game that he's got at the age of 17 is mm. is quite something. You know, it's, it's something that players tend to sort of hone, you know, slightly later on in their careers, and I think yeah. that's going to be the building block for his career, and that's what showed yesterday in in the game. I think. I think the problem with him playing so well is that now Dougie's got to try and find a reason to leave him out if he doesn't want to start yeah. him too often. It, it's a tough one. Dougie, Dougie talks about him having, having uh, you know, like a developed football brain already, and that's that's almost as important as, as you know, as just having like a, a natural skill. Is he's able to combine combine that with with sort of vision? Um, I don't, I can't personally recall. Uh, being as impressed with a player since I've been following Palace, and I mean Klein pushes him close in in a very different way because Klein Klein slotted into the team and was good from day one, and his performance level has probably never really dropped, you know, in any certainly in any major way, and it, you know he's impressed me for that reason. 
people likened him to to Kenny Sansom in respect, and not, Kenny was before my time, really. I'm only young, and uh, so, but you know, I I really am so so excited about John Williams, and I, I just think it's so tough because I know you can't you can't put too the weight of expectation on these lads. But how it's like, how can you not as well, Mark? You do you find it difficult? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because. Uh being so young, it is it's fantastic to have such a, a, a fantastic player at the club uh, who's well, he's a Welsh under-21 international. He reminds me actually a bit of Jack Wiltshire in many respects. But, um, uh, you know, he's only five foot five, but he's, he's just classy on the ball. You know, the ball sort of is like the ball's glued to his foot and he, and he can play centrally or out wide and he just seems to have that, no fear. I think that's the great thing about being young is you just you just don't have any fear. So he's not he's not he's not he's not sort of shy of taking on players, of attacking players, of having a shot or anything like that. Because you know he's so young and so like new to to yeah. this top flight football in terms of first team football that you know it, it's it's so refreshing. And you know I'm just hoping that we can hang on to the guy because mm. we know what happens when when players move early before they're ready. And he, he does have that sort of, as you were saying earlier, that awareness around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the kind of thing that Wolf's developing now, yeah, but yeah. he's already got. Wolf didn't have it and was always sort of going on his own and not looking for the better option mm-hmm. and so forth. And obviously Doogie's worked with Wolf over the summer and since the season began, and he seems to be developing in that area. But yeah. John Williams no. already have have that that ability already and he's a couple of years younger so he's a fantastic prospect yeah you're actually spot on mark i I talked before about wilf about you know him getting his head up if you look at john williams when he runs with the ball at his feet the head's up the whole time and will and you're right and wilf's doing that now he's he's looking around he's playing the game you're absolutely spot on uh we're gonna have to leave it there for time reasons i just want to go to one no 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 just one last Email, just a really, really quick one from uh, Jordan Copeman. He just said, always listen, but never message in. Well, you've messaged in now. Love it as usual. Thanks very much, Jordan. Very good to hear from you. Um, and, yeah, well, what we're going to do now, we're going to effectively West Ham preview, but we're going to pre- start this preview with the interview from we did at David Gold's mansion in Caterham. Um, and we're going to play it for you now. Well, first of all, uh, welcome to our interview with David Gold. Um, thank you for seeing us, David. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Um, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, David personally, and and also, you know, about his time in football more than anything, because that's that's what we're we're really here to talk about, and to preview the West Ham game, um, see how he feels that game might go, and how the season's gone so far. Um, so if we can start really. I'll just sort of start you off with um, some sort of personal can questions. Can I just interject a second? I mean. If it's being filmed, uh, would you me- rather me be there? I mean, is this okay? Are you comfortable with the setup? Great, if you're comfortable. I mean, I, I mean, I just look at. I sat where the mic is. Yeah, you know. Not um, well, like professional. Well, <laughs> not realizing that. Is it closer? That would be quite Yeah. So a bit more intimate. It is. <laughs> and I can get to my coffee. Is that okay? Is the swan okay? <laughs> yeah, the swan is just out of picture, thank you. Oh. Yeah, Leslie will be upset about that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it all the way back from Florence. Oh, really? Oh. That is pretty sensational. It's not so good, that's the main thing. 
Yeah, we've got that. That's yeah, you've got a big game, haven't you? Is it tonight? Is it tonight? Yeah, a few of us are heading down there afterwards. Exciting. That's why I'm drinking water now. Okay, we can just start off with with yourself, really. Obviously, your topography says you were born in Stepney in uh, in '36, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously, there's I don't want to try and sort of tell you your life. I'll leave that that you lived yourself. But it was quite a, a difficult upbringing. Um, and I think, uh, well, the one incident that sort of struck stuck out was you. Uh, your earliest memory came of your was your family home. I think it was. Mm-hmm. You sort of come back and you know, essentially wasn't there really. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I was born in. Uh, d- uh, during the war, well, I was born before the war, which is even worse uh, mm-hmm. from an age point of view. Um, but of course, my earliest memories are of um, uh, war-stricken East End of London. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, and yes, I did arrive home to find that, uh, um, that there was no roof on the house. And But, you know, as a young child, it's, it's a, a great... It, it's bizarre, but it's a great adventure. You know, you move from there, you move into this new house, which incidentally, when we arrived at this new house, which incidentally was 442 Green Street, <laughs> um, it also didn't have a roof. It had a tarpaulin sheet um, over over the roof, and, and it obviously had suffered some bomb damage, and it was being repaired as we moved in. So for many months we actually lived uh, downstairs uh, and, the, and the beds were in the in the living room and the uh, in the front room which it was called in those days mm. yeah that's uh, my earliest memory and of course you know um, uh, it was abject poverty yeah uh, you know um, my father was in prison uh, my mother who was just the most amazing woman um, brought up her children in in, in abject poverty I mean I, my earliest memories are of being cold, um, being hungry, being sick, um, TB, T- I had TB, for, uh, just seemed to be all my young life I had TB and dysentery, all, all, all um, illnesses of the poor. Yeah. So that's uh, my earliest memories, but from there on out, it things improved. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's almost unimaginable for, for someone, I mean I was born in, in 1980, I might look older, but a hard yeah, life you do. Palace, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but I think, you know, obviously, uh, we can't imagine what it might would have been like. You can see this obviously, war going around the world now, and there's, there's people you know, in a difficult situation. But like you say, it being an adventure, I can kind of almost see that, but I mean, at the time, it clearly isn't. But looking back, it's. Bits of it were, were, were an adventure. You know, um, there was, uh, I can remember clearly a, a particular night when we. Um, we all huddled in the in this tiny shelter in the garden, 
and uh, and just the whole night there was you know the noise of bombs of of the bells of the fire engines and the ambulance just the whole night was just horrendous noise just con constant 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 and then it stopped and at sort of six o'clock in the morning we came out of the shelter and it was like smoke the the air was just full of smoke and mist and the quiet it was as if it was so quiet it was as if uh, it was as if the whole world was dead everybody in the world was dead but us can you imagine that you know just a young kid how old would i be six seven eight years of age and you wake up that morning and uh, we well, don't wake up you get you come out of the shelter to discover um, you know this war ravaged east end of london so, yeah, uh, yes. and I really did believe that everybody was dead apocalyptic site almost yes and of course the shrapnel was everywhere and of course then comes the excitement I mean there's the terror but within hours a young person soon recovers it's amazing uh, you know how young people can recover so quickly in my memory of recovering because suddenly there's this terrible terrible experience and now we're collecting shrapnel the very shrapnel, which is like the bits of bombs that are, that are you know, as they explode, they, they shatter everywhere. And we, as kids, we collect them. And then the following day, once the, you know, the bodies have been taken out of the houses, the excitement for young kids is to then go and explore these yeah. bombed houses. So it is an extraordinary adventure. Um, and how young young people and, and the point that I suppose I'm really making here is that young people can so quickly recover from adversity yeah that's a, that's a fantastic point um, I mean if we relate that say to football when, when, at that young age when was the first time you started getting involved in sort of having a go at football well uh, as, as I've already explained there was no money in the family um, and what I would do I could hear the roar from the, the, the stadium because it was right across the road to me. Uh, and on a Saturday, you know, the whole of Green Street, just outside of 442 Green Street where I live, you know, there were these crowds of, um, my memory tells me they were all men. Uh, I'm sure there were a few women, unlike today, where there's a lot more women and children. But this was predominantly men, all dressed in grey, all grey caps, grey scarves, you know, nobody. I don't. I don't recall seeing, um, you know, people carrying club colours. Yeah. Everything was grey. Whether that's a memory or whether that's a fact, I actually think it's a fact. Um, every everybody wore grey scarves and grey caps, and I remember all these people going down. I could hear the roar from the stadium, which was literally across the road. And um, I had no money, but I would wander over there, and I discovered that. The famous chicken run, the wooden chicken run at uh, West Ham United. Right. At half time, they would open the, the gates. So you know, I used to bunk in for free, <laughs> and I'd do that. In fact, I probably owe West Ham. When I think back, it was one. It would be nine pence a time, half time. That'd be four pence halfpenny. If I did that uh, ten times, that was forty-five. I owe them forty-five p. <laughs> Probably, um, probably covered that by now. <laughs>
Um, I did notice through the uh, through the notes that were left that I saw you you played for East Ham boys. No, I actually played for West Ham boys against East Ham boys. Oh, right. That was the big the big annual event for um, uh, school boys was West Ham boys. Every year we play East Ham boys, and and I remember playing them uh, when I was thirteen. When I was fourteen, because I played, uh, and then fifteen, played three three years for West Ham boys. Uh, never missed a game. Played every game, and the big game of the of the year would be West Ham uh, versus East Ham, and we always hammered them. Yeah, we always hammered them. One year, I remember we won five five one, and I scored two of the goals, and with uh, with a couple of minutes to go, um, the ball came across. And I was no more than two yards out. This is for my hat trick. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then of course I would have been a star then. Um, but this was for my hat trick. I'm two yards out, open goal, and kick the ball over the bar. Chance gone. Bit like what Torres did the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh no, no, not as bad as that. <laughs> so you were a striker, were you? No, I was a winger. Oh, nice. I was in the. Uh, you guys won't know the name, but uh, uh, there was a, a winger that played for West Ham called Eric Parsons and his nickname was The Rabbit and uh, it was a great excitement when I'm a young man and, uh, and uh, the fans started to call me Rabbit as well which was a great, great, you know, wonderful feeling. Wow, you know. Yeah, I imagine. I thought I was going to be a star. <laughs> what happened? Why weren't you a star? Well, Ted Fenton, the great Ted Fenton, um, very famous West Ham manager, probably the, not when I say famous, he was certainly the most revered uh, manager that West Ham have had, uh, 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 with, with the exception of Sam. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah close. With the exception of Sam. Um, and uh, he offered me, uh, in those days it was called apprentice terms, so you became an apprentice, you'd clean the boots, and you'd, but you'd be playing and training, and that, that would have been fantastic. Mm. And my father, incredibly, who was only out of prison for a few months, but he was there at the time, he needed to sign the papers. Yeah. So had he not been there, my mother would have absolutely would have signed the papers. But my father, in his wisdom, and remember, I'm only 16, 17 years of age, um, refused to sign the papers, uh, saying, you know, that you should get a proper job. Yeah. Well, of course, remember, in fairness to him, I think he thought he was doing the right thing. But, you know, I mean, I, I, um, apart from many other reasons why I despised him, that was one of the, you know, also uh, didn't endear me to him. No, um, just sort of wonder what might have been now, do you? Yeah. Oh, man, I think we all, we'd all give everything just to pay for Oh, absolutely. And, of course, you know, um, uh, I can remember a story. Um, my coach would say to me, Gold, I want you to get down the wing. He said, we've been, we've been scoring goals and, and, and we're being pulled offside. So what I want you to do, I want you to get down the wing, get to the byline and cross the ball back for our big centre forward. No problem. That Saturday, no, that Friday, I go to the pictures and I see in black and white on, on Pathé News, because there's no television, mm, yeah. and I see England, I think it was England playing Wales, I can't remember. <clears throat> but 
I see, in, I think England won 3, what, three nil or something like that. Tom Finney gets the ball on the halfway line, beats three two players, gets to the edge of the box and smashes the ball into the top corner of the net. <laughs> and I thought, wow! <laughs> this was Tom Finney playing yeah, yeah. for England. The plumber, the famous plumber. Wow! So come Saturday, I'll get the ball on the halfway line. I'll be one player. <laughs> got to the edge of the box and smashed it into the corner of Rose Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and the coach screamed out, Gold! How many times have I told you? You get the ball, you get to the byline and you cross it back for the centre forward. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Tom Finney? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's a great was. memory I have of, um, of those early days. He took over control of Birmingham City in 93 with uh, David Sullivan yeah. and uh, appointed Karen Brady as your managing director, mm. uh, stroke CEO. Mm. And uh, at the time that was seen as a, a bold move. Um, what attracted you to taking over Birmingham City? Well, my ambition, of course, was to play for West Ham. My ambition was to manage. West Ham. My ambition was to be a director of West Ham. But a dream, an impossible dream, was actually to own shares in West Ham. Or even be the chairman. Outrageous <laughs> as it might sound. Um, but I had that dream. Impossible dream. An impossible dream. And in the 80s, we actually owned, David Sullivan and myself, we actually owned 30% of West Ham. And we owned that for about a year. We were treated so badly by the then owners, which were the Kearns and the Pratt's, I think it was. Um, and I have to say that whilst I was disappointed, I was happy to stay there as a, because things change. Nothing's forever. Yes. And my expectation is that one day uh, we will be able to buy more shares and slowly have a bigger influence mm -hmm. on the football club. David Sullivan, however, was disappointed at the way we were being treated. And when the opportunity came to sell to a natural fact, Terry Brown, we did. We sold our shares at a profit in West Ham and left and left. Not to go to Birmingham, mm. simply we left. We was that disappointed. Uh, as I say, I think if I'd have been on my own, I'd have probably just sat with the shares because it's my football club. Um, I would have sat and waited for things to change because I, as I've already said, nothing's forever in this life. Uh, sometimes you have to be patient. However, a turning point in our lives. We make the decision to sell and for another year or so we looked at different football clubs, we looked at Leeds, uh, we looked at um, we looked at Tottenham Hotspurs. But Tottenham Hotspurs had huge debts at the time. Um, and then one day David Sullivan called me and said Do you want to come in with me 
on Birmingham City Football Club. So I said, how much? So he said, a pound. <laughs> so I said, um, so well, I, I, let me think about it, I'll get back to you. So he said, no, I've got to know now. Um, it's 11 o'clock. At 12 o'clock, the receivers are going to come in and take the football club and and, and uh, it's, uh, more than likely will end up a supermarket. Because yeah. they have, you know, the debts were such. So I said, okay, I'm in. And of course, a couple of days later, I drive up, I get there, and when I saw Birmingham City, it was unbelievable. It was, it was in a complete state of disrepair. We watched the match, you could barely see the match because only half the bulbs in the, in the floodlights were working. That's how desperate the football club was. As I arrived, I thought, I wonder if I can get my pound back. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, what, what terrible deal I'd done, yeah. you know? Um, but of course, um, we then invested money in, into the football club. And I remember uh, Barry Fyde, Barry Fyde, uh, coming as the manager. We were in the the second division, the old second division, and uh, and um, he employed Barry Fry. And when I met him, he said to me, he said, "Chairman," he said, "I'm going to get you out of this poxy division." <laughs> we were in the second division, and true to his word. He got us out of that second division. He got us relegated to the third. <laughs> I mean, Barry was just amazing. And of course, what we did, despite the fact we lost our first game to Lake Norian 3-0, we went on and had the most incredible, incredible experience. We won the championship. The excitement of playing... God, how many games we played that year? Like, 70 games, I guess, we played. I think we got to the quarterfinals of, of, the, of the league, of the football league. We went to Liverpool and um, and nearly beat them. Nearly beat the mighty Liverpool. You imagine that? In a, I think it was semi-finals or quarterfinals of the of the League Cup. You know, and um, and we went to Wembley and we filled Wembley. Seventy-eight thousand fans. We had more fans than the previous week, or the previous year, I can't remember, when Liverpool played Aston Villa. We had more fans come to watch Birmingham City beat the mighty Carlisle. <laughs> we beat Carlisle 1-0 at Wembley. <laughs> and, and of course, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. But it was all part and part, all part and parcel of the rebuilding of the, this football club that was all but dead. But what was still alive was the heart and soul of the football club. Yeah. You know, it just and we and, and Barry played a big part, and then Trevor Francis came and played his part, um, and then uh, Steve Bruce got us promoted after all those years of so nearly, so nearly, so nearly. Yes, um, we were on the brink of, um, of promotion a number of times. I played in four playoffs. You know, four years consecutively with um, with Trevor, Trevor Francis, um, we got and we never got to the finals. No. Never got to the finals. We always fell, and we were always favourites. This was the incredible thing. We always went into those matches favourites. We were beaten by uh, Watford um, one year. I remember 
um, it ended up penalties. Uh, the England manager was uh, was the uh, manager at the time. Um, what was his name? Graham Taylor. Taylor. Graham Taylor. And uh, I think we we lost the penalties. I think it was like eleven nine. Mm. You know, just it it, it 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 was the early hours. We were still playing in the early hours of the morning. You know, it felt like that. Yeah. You know, it felt like two o'clock in the morning. We're still taking penalties, um, and we lost. 11-9 to Watford, um, and then the, another year we lost we we lost four 0 at home to Barnsley. All incredible events, you know. Yeah. Um, to us they were incredible, and then we lost incredibly at Preston when when Trevor Francis, in front of millions of people watching on TV, he took the players off the pitch mm. because he said that the um, the referee had, had assured him that if it went to penalties penalties the penalties will be kicked and will be taken at the south end and not the north end in front of all the fans. You know, and, and all, all amazing events. Yeah. But the bottom line was, we were still in the championship. Yeah. We couldn't get out of the championship with, with uh, Trevor Francis. Um, and I know that Trevor Francis, um, you know, his determination and his passion uh, to get us in the Premier League uh, was like no other. But sadly, we didn't, we didn't achieve it. I mean, yeah, that, but that's quite a sort of a, a point that sort of the uh, histories of Birmingham and, and Palace sort of became intertwined for, for a while there. So obviously, we did swap managers. You came in for, for Steve Bruce, which caused uh, some interest. It caused a furor, but I'd just like to remind uh, Crystal Palace fans mm -hmm. of what actually happened there. Yeah. Um, we asked for permission to speak to uh, Steve Bruce in a proper manner. We, we paid £300,000 compensation at a time when managed, well, there was virtually no compensation deals. That 300000 was a huge sum of money that Crystal Palace got. In the deal, we then bought from you Clinton Morrison yep. for £5 million. Pounds. And, and you gave us eight. And we gave you <laughs> AJ Johnson, who was, I, you know, it was one of those times when I fought my corner. I wanted desperately to keep AJ. I really believed he was a player. He wasn't scoring the goals. That was the problem. But Trevor tended to play him wide. Yeah. And, um, and he looked to me one of those players that if you just persevered with him at centre forward, he would get you goals, or at least cause loads of grief. Penalties, for example. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, I know it's easy. You might say, oh, well, I'm second-guessing. But that's genuinely what I felt at the time. And I felt, I fought the corner to keep him. Yeah. But Steve Bruce was absolutely desperate to get Clinton Morrison. And we, you know, we'd thrown all of our budget on one player and we were still short of what uh, Simon Jordan was demanding mm -hmm. and that's how you got AJ, AJ, um, AJ remember you then went on to sell AJ 8 million or so you also by us taking Steve Bruce from you you ultimately brought in the manager that got you promoted, uh, his name escaped me for a Ian moment, Dow Ian Dowie. Yeah. So in actual fact, 
if you forget the little story and that was all about uh, Jordan wanting to have us have us you know yeah. he felt that what wouldn't it be fantastically ironic if Steve Bruce goes to Birmingham and just sacked Trevor Francis going to Crystal Palace and wouldn't it be ironic if Crystal Palace got promoted and <laughs> and Birmingham City got relegated wouldn't that be fantastic <laughs> that's, that's why he did it I'm, yeah. to this day I'm convinced but for all the um, for all of the disappointment at losing Steve Bruce remember what happened Crystal Palace got promoted Crystal Palace sold and got in those days 20 million quid right now maybe had we not taken Steve Bruce you might not have got promoted so you could argue and of course I'm yes. going to make that case yeah. I'm going to make the case that um, you got promoted 20 million you sold old AJ for 8 million 28 million all because we came and took Steve Bruce now I know you're not going to agree with the story yeah. but that's that's the counter argument yeah. and uh, <laughs> so I think you did okay in the all end, of, yeah. of what I forgot of course and you got 300,000 conversation yeah. so it, it's uh, it was an okay and you've never forgiven us no. let me just tell you <laughs> let me just tell you that um, every time we came to Crystal Palace every time we came to Crystal Palace AJ scored yeah every time you came to, to Birmingham AJ scored so you know you did okay we did in the end stop yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what it was for us it was you know, I know Steve Bruce uh, made some comments along the same lines in uh, Dougie Freeman's test uh, testimonial programme for us it was uh, I mean we were sitting at the top of the league when, when you came in for him but I accept that he wanted to go he wanted to go excuse me but let me just say you were sitting at the top of the league. You had a purple patch. Mm. You were winning games 1-0 by the skin of your teeth. I know you're not going to agree. <laughs> I know you're not going to agree. But yeah. I think that you had a purple patch. The teams that you beat, if you look at the, the record, the teams that you beat in that 11 games all ended up in the bottom half of the division. In other words, you hadn't really played anybody uh, of any substance. And, and that's not fair. That's not fair. But you played the weaker teams and you scraped some away victories that were, were by the skin of your team. And, and I, my argument would be, had Steve Bruce remained, the squad was such that you still wouldn't have got promoted. You still would have needed investment. I think what we... Yeah, we needed need need investment. But I mean... Well, sort of round, round off the, the subject of, of, of Simon Jordan. Obviously, he made various different comments, which you would have uh, had reaction to. You maintained a, should we say, a dignified silence on most of that. I would say. Um, I don't know that I did. No, do you I not? I just said didn't read it. Perhaps we were shielded from your responses. Um, no, I, I, mean, did, I did a number of, uh, um, but you know, I took it all light-hearted. I mean, um, Simon's mantra really was to be outrageous. I think that, I think that. Um, when he came into football, he realised if he was to get a public persona, he was going to have to use either charm or aggression. And, and obviously, somebody said to him, "Well, you don't have any charm, <laughs> so let's go, let's go with aggression <laughs> and um, and be rude to everybody." And that's what he did. Um, 
Did you enjoy the rivalry? Would you? Sort of mini rivalry? I can't say I enjoyed it because, you know, most of it was quite offensive. Um, and, and, you know, comments like, uh, the best thing about Birmingham is the road out. Um, I think that was one of the comments. Maybe I've not delivered that in the same way as he did, but um, there were a lot of uh, very effective. And of course, when it got personal, yeah. you know, it got personal with David Sullivan. We got um, it got very personal yes. with me and my, and my business and, and, and our businesses. You know, um, it's interesting to note that, that we are still in business, and he isn't. Um, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fair yeah. way of saying that. No, in, in, um, and of course, uh, uh, the only way really to defend yourself under those circumstances is really with with sarcasm, wit, and, and humour, really. Um, and I think one of my comments was that um, if he carries on um, deriding our products, I will have to ban him from and some of the stores. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and one, and then I was asked the question um, on, IT, uh, on uh, Sky: Is this correct, Mr. Gold, that you're planning to uh, ban Simon Jordan from um, from your stores? I said, Well, we considered it, but uh, our financial director said that it would have such a, a big <laughs> impact on our accounts uh, in the coming year that we should uh, not ban <laughs> our stores. But, I think he should have liked that. That's a good response. I, I've got a lot of fondness in some ways for Simon because he did. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, no. Stop! <laughs> yes. But let me make this absolutely clear. Simon Jordan, in the same way as Mark Goldberg, mm. put everything into Crystal Palace. They were true fans, just in the same way as I am a true fan of West Ham. Uh, I've been a fan since I can my earliest memories. Simon Jordan and Mark Goldberg were fantastic fans. Where they slipped up from time to time was forgetting that they're also um, the custodian of the football club yeah. and have a responsibility to not just the fans of today but the fans of tomorrow. Yeah. You know. Uh, we, um, the heart and soul of a football club is its fans. That will never change. Um, you've got fans that will go to a match this evening, and their fathers would have gone to a similar match 30 years ago. Their grandfathers would have gone to a match 50 years ago. Their great grandfathers, you know, might have been there at the very beginning. So it's the heart and soul of a football club is carried in all of those memories throughout the generations of the families. The owners are pure custodians. They come in with the keys and you're right, they own, not the football club, the misnomer is that somebody says, like a Simon Jordan or Mark Goldberg, I now own the football club. They do not. They own the real estate. They own the bricks and mortar. The fans own the football club. Their grandfather owns the football club. His memory is part and parcel of that football club. 
we will end with uh, with just looking forwards to the uh, to the game at Selhurst on Saturday. Um, I've phrased these questions in a way I'm not happy with, so I'm just going to ask them differently. Yeah, sure. um, I mean, first of all, you've seen how we've started, and then obviously we've, we've travelled off in the last few weeks. Um, you've got to talk about how strong the squad is. Uh, how do you see the game going? One thing, you know, I, I think there'll be little doubt. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if um, bookies uh, see us as um, as, as even people, as even even money, because you know you're, you're at home. There's no question that uh, uh, you're more comfortable at home, as indeed most sides are. Although we have a better record away because we won three and drawn one, um, and on paper. There's no doubt. Uh, I don't think there can be many people who disagree. On paper, we we look stronger than we have a stronger squad. However, you know, in football, it really is about the passion and the desire. Um, and um, that determines uh, the victor. I mean, I would say now, it's, uh, I'm sure it'll be exciting. I love going to the Palace because you know, it's got great memories. I'm just, can I share one great memory with you? That this will bore everybody to death, <laughs> but it is my great memory. I went to Crystal Palace in 1950-something or other. I was playing for London Boys against Glasgow Boys at Crystal Palace. And it was 1-1, two minutes to go. And who scored the winning goal? <laughs> Young David Gold, who came down the wing, beat three players, and crashed the ball into the top corner of the net. Tom Finney style. Tom Finney style. No, not true. I think it was a simple tap-in. But nevertheless, nevertheless, it was a great moment. I thought I was going to be a star. In fact... It was the first time somebody took my picture and it appeared and it appeared technical <laughs> <laughs> glitch yeah. it appeared in the evening standard and I had that picture this very day I think it was 1952 I'll show you it before you go fantastic it's a picture of um, and I can see the crowd there. there's 12,000 people 12,000 people to watch um, 17, 18 year old young men in a, in a nothing tournament, you know, in a crystal, uh, in a London, London boys versus um, Glasgow boys, but I didn't turn out a star. Um, but um, getting back to uh, the, the result, um, I wouldn't even have an idea. Um, as I say, I think the bookies will see us as even money on the night. And um, no, what I'd like to think that uh, we come out with, uh, you know, no injuries. Uh, um, that's that's a fear that we have, and I'm no doubt you do, because your squad would be quite small. Yeah. Um, with us, we'd be thinking in terms of you don't want to lose key players uh, to injury. Um, I hate it when there's dodgy decisions. You know, I hate that. So, you know, I'd be hoping it's uh, an open, an exciting day. Um, so you know, I don't want to get killed, so I'm avoiding, <laughs> I'm avoiding predicting any kind of score. So I will give you our predictions in a minute. I think you'll yeah. be right. Um, I say you want to avoid dodgy decisions. Well, my experience of referees at Selhurst this season, you won't be avoiding those, but they will be in your favour. Oh, well, so that's and I look forward to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, we've covered. Have you any fond memories of Selhurst Park? Quite well, nicely done. Oh well, I've just told you. <laughs> 
Okay, well, we've got two more questions. I'm going to let you ask the last one, because I think it's a really good question. I was proud of writing that. Um, so, if you could pick um, a couple of danger men for your team that we want to look out for, or the whole squad, I guess, but... <laughs> well, um, who's, who's really on fire this season? Well, you know, Colton Cole, you know, is, in this division, is awesome, you know, as a centre-forward. He is playing up front on his own, mm. um, although Sam will tell you he's playing... Uh, 4-3-3 um, it does look more like 4-5-1 to me okay. um, but certainly away it will look more like 4-5-1 that's for sure yeah. but nevertheless it, he is awesome um, it's also because of you know we're playing so many games now in this division and we've still yet to see um, Sam Bulldog Mm. I pronounce that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Nelson Kings. Yeah. Now, in training, he looks uh, he looks very sharp. You know, is he another AJ? Uh, that would be interesting. Mm. Um, he's certainly of that that type of player. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just lo I'm just looking around the team. Um, we don't we don't have um, we have sort of everybody at the goal scoring contributors in the side you know when you look at um, Nolan for example yeah. you know in midfield he will he you know he should get 12 goals a season in this division he has in the past uh, you've got um, Matt Taylor yeah. you know not an out and out goal scorer but he he's scored 10 or 12 goals mm. in this division you know he's capable of doing that um, Mark Noble was contributed. Mark Noble uh, is our penalty taker. You know, he's, uh, uh, he's got a high percentage of uh, goals. Um, yeah, he will score a few from, but again, not a prolific goal scorer. No. Um, so, from memory, Nolan always seems to score against us. So yeah, I'll just guarantee that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I think he always scored against West Ham. That's why we bought him <laughs> to make sure he didn't score any more. Um, no, but we, what, 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 what we have is a side that the, the whole of the midfield uh, field is capable of. Um, I mean, Faubert uh, on the wing is capable. Bentley is, is capable. You know, if Bentley, uh, certainly um, um, all of these players, you know, are capable of 10, 12 goals a season. Um, and, um, and, of course, um, John Carew. Mm. Um, uh, and, and I thought he came on for a half an hour um, against Peterborough and, and looked uh, very effective um, big powerful man big powerful man and um, you know even if he uh, and he's capable of scoring goals I mean we all know what he's achieved in the past um, but it's very it, he's almost really it's very difficult I can't see how you would ever play John Carew and and um, and Colton Cole other than with 10 minutes to go and you're 1-0 down you could yeah. put your two big men up front and, and, and throw in long balls I know it's the long ball game and we all hate it but uh, we all do it you know with 10 minutes to go if you're down you will go for it and you will pump long and if you're going to pump long balls into the box I can't believe that there is anybody in our division that you would rather have in the box than John Carew and uh, Colton Cole. Yeah, I mean, they're two huge men. Can't miss them. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
think some of our defenders pumping on balls could miss them quite easily, frankly. But um, <laughs> well, I mean certainly, certainly, uh, well, we were playing long balls at Doncaster after about 12 minutes for no real reason. So, oh really? Yeah, so I don't know why we did that. It's very unlike us, but I think yeah, a little bit of panic there. Okay, well, that's. I'm going to hand over to you, Fred. Um, unlikely as it is. If West Ham were to remain a championship team this season, mm. what sort of pressure would that put on yourselves as, as the board, the owners, on and off the pitch, at, and the club, of course? Um, well, it certainly makes everything more difficult. Uh, there is a there is a plan B, which is that plan, uh, which is quite painful, um, but doable, um, and you go again. Um, you've got parachute payments that, that help but we are we are um, there's no real way of getting around this we are a Premier League club Premier League structure Premier League players pretty much and we're in the championship and all that goes with that now that is really saying to me that um, we're structured like that some of it's inherited in that, you know, you've got players that, that, that are with us in the, you know, like Fobert, for example, Julian Fobert is a um, premiership uh, player who's playing in the championship. Um, and, and these players are also on, um, on premiership wages. Uh, and that's why, that's why um, the Premier League, in a way, double-edged sword um, it's wonderful absolutely wonderful it's wonderful experiences you go to wonderful stadiums um, and all that goes with the excitement of the Premier League but one slip it's up and lip you are in championship and then and that is you know considerable pain and, and you have to manage that I mean you could argue that there's a formula that Blackpool who, apart from a couple of players, were a championship side in the in the Premier League, overperformed and nearly, nearly by the skin of their teeth, nearly kept kept themselves up in the Premier League, which would have been a, you know, an amazing performance because you know that was a championship football club. Apart, apart from um, two players, I think it was Vaughan and um, Adam. And Adam, apart from those two players, I mean, with all due respect to them, they were a. Um, a championship, or, uh, a championship side on championship wages as well, which is the point, you know, that I'm making. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's very very fair. So, I mean, Blackpool achieved that of a lot just by just by attacking, just by going. Unbelievable, and I think there's a lot of clubs that have changed their whole philosophy. Mm -hmm. They said, you know, all this business of going away from home, and um, and uh, you know, five across the middle. Which is what, is what we do. Uh, they don't. They, they go to club. They go away and they they, they attack from from the minute. Just completely shocks certainly Premier League clubs when Blackpool suddenly were playing four two, and you know supporting from the midfield. That was of course that was Adam and Paul. Uh, that they were uh, as soon as they got into the opposition's half, they were up there supporting the two centre forwards. Yeah. Well, that was unheard of. Certainly, you know. I mean, my, my coach would have been saying, Gold, where are you going? <laughs> if I ventured over the, the halfway line. <laughs>
No, it was a, a, a strategy. I don't know that it, it will work again in the Premier League because I think that slowly, slowly, they tumbled to it, didn't they? Yeah, and, so. and that's why I think I forget what they did. They scored nearly 30 points in the first half of the season and um, and 20 in the uh, what am I saying? 30 and 10 in the second. Yeah. You know, something like that. I can't remember, but they scored the vast majority. I think it was more like. Uh, 25 points in the first half of the season and 15 in the second half and got relegated. Yeah. Something like that. They cert yeah, they certainly um, certainly weaken when people were wise. No, they got, they got, yeah, they got tumbled, they got rumbled. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, valiant effort nonetheless. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, on a team uh, that could have well struggled, not, could have well struggled in the, in, the, in, the, in the championship. If you remember, they got promoted they were in sixth place on the lowest number of points at sixth place ever, I think, in the championship. So the sixth place club, I'll forget the number, I'm making this up, um, but they were something like, I can't remember, but they were certainly the lowest sixth place points tally ever and got promoted. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. I can remember even myself the whole way through the season. I'm thinking they'll never keep that up. They'll never keep, you know, keep that form going. And then when they started really going for it, what in the Premier? Uh, no, I think no, oh, in the, the championship. championship. And I saw them get into the playoffs, and I thought, well, they'll never get through the playoffs. No. they've been lucky to get in there, well played. They did get lucky everywhere they went. Yeah, they had that unbelievable purple patch. You make your luck, and of course they had Adam that was overperforming you know he was a player they, I think they bought for 500,000 yes, yeah. and he's playing like a 5 million pound midfielder you Absolutely. know and then eventually sold I think for 8 million so yeah. you know that's a bit of luck when you get a player from nowhere that suddenly becomes a superstar that's it and now he's playing for Liverpool <laughs> and you need that bit of luck uh, to um, you know, certainly for Blackpool I mean Blackpool what they did was just with say so, see that's quite a contrast really with the two teams that are, when we meet on Saturday really we're you know we're looking at someone like Blackpool as a, as a model where we have sure. to we have to build what we use certainly using the, the youth players at the moment and we're lucky to have such a good academy uh, and West Ham are famous for their academy as well but obviously yourselves you, you've got a Premier League well, Premier League players and, and you've got the other end so that's the kind of contrast there you've kind of got an expectation of promotion and, and we kind of you know we're, we're the dreamers at the moment yeah, but equally uh, West Ham um, become the the scalp that everybody wants yeah. to get you know we want and, and there's no question uh, that we've seen clubs you know uh, we saw Peterborough I mean they they, they work their socks off and there's plenty of talent there as well yeah, yes, but they yeah. really did go the extra mile against us and we, we struggled you know Peterborough who at the beginning of the season were um, were favourites for relegation um, so bookies don't always get it right <laughs> but at the moment uh, they're, they're doing they're doing very well and, and you could say you could see that they could be comfortably safe in the middle of the table yeah. um, if you speak, speak to Barry Fry he would say middle table no we're going for promotion <laughs> uh, but, but you know being realistic um, but they they you know there, it was a big day I mean they brought two and a half thousand fans 
uh, to our place. Um, they could have scored in the first minute of the game. They scored in the first minute of the game. I promise you, uh, it would have been it would have been very difficult. It was very difficult anyway. We got a very soft penalty. You know, I've seen them not given. Um, we got a soft penalty and uh, and we end up. Uh, you know, hanging on for the for the three points. Yeah. But I guess you know, in 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 any campaign, you're going to get uh, clubs coming to you, and, and they they will overperform on the day because there was thirty thousand fans. They get seven thousand fans at uh, London Road. There's thirty thousand fans at Upton Park. You know that raises raises their game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw a. Um I was into a Peter fan at the Peter service station on my, on my way back uh, from from Doncaster. I think it was. Yeah, it was <laughs> Doncaster again. Um, you said you weren't going to mention yeah, Doncaster. Like a selfie. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, and he, he was saying the same thing. Oh, soft penalty. Oh, it was a great atmosphere though. We took. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. And, you know, they were saying the same thing. They sort of left there thinking, oh, we could have got something. Yeah. And um, oh well, hopefully that's not the case on on Saturday. We, hopefully we do walk away with something. But mm. but um, you know, I'm sure. Well, you guys are be bringing quite a quite a substantial amount from my. I don't. I, uh, I don't know what your maximum is, but whatever your maximum is, we will sell it out. Mm. We'll sell it out because it's you know it's 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 uh, it's not. I mean, we we sold five thousand. We. I think our allocation was three thousand. Oh, I can't remember now. Three thousand at Brighton. Mm. Maybe it's more. I think maybe it's five thousand. Uh, and we've got three thousand waiting list. Yeah. Uh, you know, waiting for cancellations. Three thousand. It's probably three thousand we're taking, and there's another three thousand on the waiting list. Yeah. And at Crystal Palace, it will be the same. You know, yeah. we, we will we will we will fill whatever you give us. I think about with. It's a bit of a contentious issue. We usually give the bigger ways of the whole Arthur Lake stand, uh, which we think we're probably giving you about seven and a half, but we'll probably think we're only letting you have four, four hundred because of some complaints over letting teams have that whole stand. It's a confusing one. It's a bit of a benchmark game for us where if the home support comes along, then it justifies the decision. But really, like you say, we could sell that whole stand to West Ham easy as anything. But whatever, well, with 4,400 sold, it's going to be a cracking atmosphere anyway. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it's gonna be a great game. Um, yeah, well, I'm sure it will be a great game. You know, it's, it's a. Uh, do you do you see it as a local derby or is it yeah, London clubs? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a, yeah, a bit of recent history there. I mean, the, the one that sticks out is the playoffs where where uh, Shipley got us the uh, the one 0 win there and uh, got us promoted. That's not that long ago. I think that's the last thing I remember. That was Jordan, and, and wasn't yeah, that yeah. Uh, that yeah. was also Dowie. Uh, sorry, not. Yeah, Ian. And, uh, what did I say? It was Ian Dowie and, and Simon Jules. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and AJ. Yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yeah. that's right. Yeah. So that was. Yeah. But that's when that's when Birmingham City. Uh, we we still say to this day that you are the owe us twenty eight million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> sure, someone will write you a check. <laughs> oh, hang on, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's a brilliant place to end there. Yeah, uh, obviously, okay. I'll say thank you very much. Uh, You're welcome. I've enjoyed it. It's been very professional. Thanks. Thank very <laughs> and very pleasurable. Yeah, I, I've yeah. Okay, that has been a real And pleasure. you know, after let me j just want to end by saying that if you go to my office, which is down the road, and you won't, but uh, if you did, or you might pass it on your way back, um, if you were to go in there, there are 
um, hundreds of people and 90% of the fan base in, in Ann Summers at, um, at the roundabout here on the A22 are Crystal Palace fans. So, you know, wherever I walk around, um, there's uh, Crystal Palace scarves on the wall and pictures and stuff, you know. And um, so, and you, as you can see, you know, my, my, my second club is in actual fact Crystal Palace. This is um, uh, my memories. I've got very fond memories of Crystal Palace because of playing there as a young man. And, um, and I'm, if I go to a restaurant, locally it will be crystal palace and wherever you go i mean I'm, i live in crystal palace territory yeah absolutely um so um it, you could argue that it's my second club i always and of course my my friend um uh, uh, that i've known for many years is ron nodes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um um he is uh, y you know as i say he was the sound uh, if you like the, the foundation of Crystal Palace he, he was good for Crystal Palace it, it was a sad day that you lost him but you lost him to an adventure that, right. that, that you know had its ups and had its downs uh, the adventure was of course Mark Goldberg and then the adventure was of course Simon Jordan but he was the foundation he was the stability um, and I hope that you know that uh, the future uh, holds good for you because I do think that the people that are in there now. Oh, that'll probably be us back, I guess. Um, is that just faded out there? Yeah, good work. Good work stuff. All right, okay. All right, oh. Mm. So I'm uh, Matthew Packham has gone. Um, he sends his, his warmest regards, but uh, but he has to leave. Said he didn't smoke. He did say that, yeah. Um, we've got a couple of your emails to read out. We're going to do... Um, why does someone sound like they're outside? Any ideas? Who's outside? Maybe they are. Oh, that was Mikey. Okay, fantastic stuff. Well, <laughs> okay, we're going to have to quickly round things off by um, <laughs> by uh, by giving you a few score predictions, having a little bit of chat about uh, West Ham coming up on on Saturday, um, and I'll uh, I'll round off by, with the last of the emails. I just want to make a couple of quick mentions. Um, one of the mentions is obviously you would have uh, hopefully would have heard the uh, the Brighton ticket giveaway a few weeks back. And I met up with uh, Tim, who was our ticket winner, and uh, he, uh, well, he was he was very grateful. But he just wanted to express that. I mean, it's one of those things where it just seemed to be the perfect winner because he, you know, he eating <laughs> now. <laughs> he, um, you know, as you know, he's stationed out in Germany with with the army, but he managed to get sort of you know get back for that game. He was we were his last hope to get a ticket, and he said three days after winning, he finds out he's um he's you know he's gonna have to go off to Afghanistan and things like that. So it's pretty much his last game in, in a fair while, I expect. And uh, and it was it was that Brighton game. So I just wanted to sort of share that with you and say it was just it was great to meet him. He, you know, deserving winner, and it was I I couldn't be happier who won. To be honest with you, uh, especially as 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 uh, Stuart managed to get himself a ticket as well when I was, you know, he was the other person I was hoping might win it. So it all worked out brilliantly in the end. Okay, uh, looking ahead to West Ham on Saturday, obviously uh, David Gold's helped us a, a great deal there. Talk about that in uh, in in a fair amount of detail. So I want to just go to you first, Mark. Um, so what sort given given the lineup win and win we've just seen, what would you like to see uh, for that game on Saturday? Um... I'd like, I think, it would be nice to say uh, I'd like the team that finished the game 
against Brighton to start um, on Saturday. But I don't think that will happen. I think Williams, this is just my opinion, of course, I think Williams will be rested and I think Ambrose will come in for Williams and Williams will probably be on the bench. Do you still think that we might play that same formation with the three just being in behind Murray? Well, I think, well, yeah, I think, um, especially at home, I think we don't need two defensive midfielders at home like Jednak and Wright. So I bring in the more experienced and and I sort of, sort of, you know, t- taking it. <laughs> cool. Am- Ambrose is basically sort of, you know, back fit and on form that he can do a job alongside Jednak. Jednak can do the the holding yeah. defensive mid role and uh, and hopefully that will allow um, uh, Ambrose to go forward and uh, support yeah. support the strikers. I mean, when you look on paper, they've got a pretty good team, haven't they? But their results, yeah, yeah. you know, away from home are are quite good. At home, they're not so good as I think David Gold alluded to. But yeah. you know, when you look at uh, a midfield of like Nolan, Lansbury, Parker, Matty Taylor, it's uh, we're going to have our work cut out. But I think you know, I think the the lads will be buoyed on from from the result against uh, Brighton they should be and um, I'm hoping that uh, we'll get something out of the game it's going to be John, tough though John do you, do you want to see any changes I mean I'll, I'll take one for example you look at the right back situation potentially Klein might be coming back in there's, there's rumours that he might be you know able to come back and, and Ramage was taken off uh, do you want to see a change in, in any way sort of shape or form there to be honest, I, w- I wouldn't change the right back position until Klein's ready to come back into it. I don't think um, Parr's best used at right back. I think he co- I think he's an effective cover, but I don't think West Ham have really got the pace necessarily um, to, to trouble um, Peter Ramage there. Mm. I think that I think Mark's right that I think Johnny Williams will be rested. I don't think necessarily that on form it's the right decision, but in terms of getting the most out of him long term over the season, certainly I think it's going to be the right decision. And hopefully the goal that Darren Ambrose got, scrappy as it was, will really spur him on. And I I've, I think he'll have a good game on uh, on Saturday, actually, if he starts. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see a change in the centre of midfield, but to be honest with you, I, I, I really don't see it. I think we'll stick with David Wright and... Miller Yedinak. I think I think that's what Dougie's got at the moment. I think until KG and Garvin are, are back, I, I don't see it. I don't see it changing much. Yeah, I mean, I gave I gave Jedinak quite a, a quite a lot of stick, um, more than I usually give an individual player after Don. It was a branch. It was. It was a branch. Um, and and I don't I don't do that lightly. And I I just I mean I want to make obviously mention of the fact that although I think he struggled a little bit first half, I, I thought second half. I started to see more of. I've seen signs before of what Dougie was talking about when he signed him, and he seemed to be that little bit more comfortable. I think he just got a little bit more space in the middle. He had a bit more time to put his foot on the ball, uh, and he wasn't just giving it away every ten seconds. I thought that that was a lot better, and, I, and that that Jedinak I can I can be happy with, you know. But did you not think that like it's a point I made on Monday show that um, it was once David Wright went off, and I don't think David Wright is doing anything himself to influence no, Jedinak, no. but it seems to be that when David Wright isn't there and it's somebody else, Jedinak plays better. 
Yeah. Like, it's, it's a, maybe it's coincidence, I don't know, but it seems to be sort of regularly occurring that you want to see that form that Jednak shows when Wright isn't there. Yeah, when, when he is. Yeah, I think there's a definitely a case to suggest that that potentially they're trying. They they naturally want to occupy similar spaces, you know, and perform a similar role, you know, mm. rather than. Sort of yeah, it, does, it doesn't work though, does it? Really, because as no. you say, they're too similar. They're trying to do more or less the same job, and uh, you know, we don't need to play, especially at home. I don't think we need to play two defensive midfield players. No. I mean, as I said at, at the beginning of the show, it's like having six defenders. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's why I think if Darren comes in for, if they rest uh, John Williams um, and Darren comes in, that will give uh, probably Jednak that bit more freedom and uh, he can sort of, uh, you know, play a, a game which is a bit alien to him when he seems to be playing with Wright. I don't know what it is, but they don't seem to, it just doesn't seem, they don't seem to click together. No, but the fact of the matter is that, that Wright will still be there alongside him. I um, think so. And, um, you know, but at the moment, given that Garvin and KG are out, which sort of makes us feel like we're a bit short on players there, but we're not. Um, and Marrow's sort of a similar player again to Jed Nack and David Wright. Um, yeah. You know, we and if we're going to rest Williams, we don't really have much else to go to in the sense. No. To no. be honest. So I think it's going to be until we sort of get these two players back, particularly Garvin, um, you know, I think we're going to have to sort of just deal with this and try and, make, and carry that and make up for it in other areas, which is why it's key if Ambrose does come in, that he then puts in a performance, you know, to, mm. you know, to make up for that sort of weakness in the centre of the field, not defensively, but going forwards particularly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. Um, okay, well, I think we pretty much pretty much agree there, sort of midfield wise. I want to make one one last mention before we move on um, of of Wilf Zaha really, because he's he started the last two two games, and that will be uh, you know three games effectively in a, in a space of a week. Um, Dougie has said before that the three games in a week, or even two games in a week, sometimes is too much for these guys. So, but Zaha has been vital for us in 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 pretty much everything good that we've done recently. Um, so he also makes a, a good a good impact sub as well. So, I mean, if he is rested, you know, if Dougie brings him on with half an hour to go, I think um, you know he'll, he'll have an equally good impact. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm thinking that the, the obvious uh, replacement would be uh, Jonathan Parr, uh, who's yeah. who's been on the bench. I think that's what we'd see, and maybe that's a, a sensible option against a, a team like West Ham. Really, but I honestly don't know what to expect from them. They, I mean, they're littered with quality players. Um, I, I mean, oh, yeah, I just, I think, uh, yeah. Looking back at their, you know, recent results, you know, I mean, David Gold mentioned it, but. You know, they, they lost to Ipswich. They only beat Peterborough by a disputed penalty. They drew nil nil with Millwall. They got um, put out of the cup by Aldershot. So they ain't sort of uh, pulling up any trees. But having said that, mm. they're above us. So, so yeah, they, exactly. They're, they're, they're doing all right. They're playing badly, but they're still getting results. And, uh, you know, it's... Whatever way, however we want to dress it up, it's going to be a tough game on yeah. Saturday. But you do get the feeling that that we could take them, as particularly at Sellers. So, you know, the, the way we played at Sellers in general has been brilliant over the last twelve months. So I, mm. I don't, I don't go into it thinking that, you know, we should go for a draw. I think we, I think they're there for the taking. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's a formality that we'd lose a game. I think if if both teams, well, certainly if they're at their best, we're going to have to work very very hard. But but as Mark says, they haven't really looked at their best of late, and and losing to was it Ipswich at the weekend? That's you know. Yeah. You know, they you know they didn't score, and they only got a goal from a penalty before. So you know, there's signs are there that we could could get something. And on that sort of uh, that idea, uh, John, what's your prediction for the game? I'm going to go with a two-one to Palace. Okay, Mark. Yeah, one-one. One. I think I I think uh, I fancy just to keep a clean sheet and, and nick a one-nil. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know where that that sound come, came from, but I think it could have been anyone. I, I, think, I think it was. I think it was someone outside my window. Actually, I yeah. do apologise about listeners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, good stuff. Well, last last emails. I'll just go through these, um, and then we'll end this this thing here. Really, uh, I'll start with uh, an email from It's Only a Game, who's a, who's a chap from Homesdale. Uh, he says he's still buzzing from last night. What great night it was! So it's essentially echoing the the comments we've we've all and you know the feelings we've all got really. He says it's games like those that make it so great to be a Palace fan. It's spot on. The contrast between Doncaster and Brighton was ridiculous, really. Uh, he says after a sluggish start, we turned it around after Dougie made changes that we needed, uh, and Sean's given him much food for thought on how we, how we should start games. Williams was immense and has so much composure and skills, a hard course and many problems, and started to be consistent. And it was great to see Murray score full marks for him to not celebrating uh, but he says can't understand how when they plan to build the stadium the only exit route for all the fans was to be allowed for everyone to converge towards Falmer Railway Station I mean we all had trouble with that and it's like I say it's a subject of its own really um, yeah he says even the cases if you're not getting a train as is his situation and Mark's uh, and he says any news on when the site will be up and running well Homestay will be up and running uh, hopefully in the next two days, um, but we just got an idea. We got to, there's got to be some security uh, work done by by the webmaster there. So that's a message for that. Um, so it's a great show. Hope for three points on Saturday, which he will unfortunately miss. Well, I'm sure we're I'm sure we'll be giving it a good go. And just sort of uh, sign off here. This is a story going back a while, so regular listeners will know this one. Uh, it's an email from Sue Lawrence, and she's just um, basically as a, a, a chap, Dave Dame. Dave Jameson uh, was unfortunately taken ill a short while ago. Um, and and the, basically the good news is he's well and truly on the mend. He's back in the, the gallery at the Homestale end uh, and he's seen the last two matches and he's hoping and he's going to the West Ham game and hopefully that'll be a cracker. So I just want to say great to, great to hear you up and about, Dave. Um, you know, and we're happy we're able to help you while you were, uh, while you were under it a bit there. So, um, yeah, I hope you're, in, you're enjoying your football again and, uh, and hope, well, we'll catch up with you soon. Um, okay. Chaps, thank you very much uh, for joining me today. Uh, John, no, thank you, Chris. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks, Chris. Thank, thank you, John. Jesus. Thank you, Mikey. No, don't yeah. thank Mikey. Not after that last tirade. Yeah, you're right. Um, Who is Mikey? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and obviously thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed today, and uh, and thank you very much again to David Gold for being so generous with his time. So generous with his time. I nearly missed the Brighton game, but uh, but there we. go. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like got, nothing all, happened all, anyway. Uh, no, we all got carried away, but no, it was fantastic. What, what a host he was! It was brilliant. Uh, just a quick pointer: we should have interviews coming up with Steve Parrish, Clinton Morrison, and Bruce Dyer. Uh, many other big, big names. Um, we were supposed to have organised one 
for very for Sunday, which I don't think we've done yet. I'll worry about that. Um, okay, and obviously, if you're listening to this on the podcast, do listen live. Plenty of people communicated with us today, um, you know, on the phone and and emails and various other ways. You know, it's fantastic. We we want to hear from you. You shape the show. That's that's the way it should go. You know, uh, and as of as of this Sunday, as of the second of October, we're broadcasting live on Sunday channel instead of Mondays. Giving that a go for a month. Uh, podcast is still going to be released uh, midday on a Tuesday where we can. I have no idea when this podcast can be released soon let's just say soon um okay well listen thank you and goodbye i mean yeah so mark what, what was the most significant thing to, to you that changed that second half um you know uh he wanted more um uh, uh, went in at half time I thought that uh, a point although we got a point in the end I thought at half time a point would be uh, would be good would be good it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.